to Bad Puns and Machine Guns, the podcast where we watch and discuss every Arnold Schwarzenegger movie one at a time, and maybe the occasional surprise as well. I'm Mike Olson. And I'm Kevin Keene, and today we're discussing The Last Stand, released by 20th Century Fox on May 26, 2006, starring Hugh Jackman, Patrick Stewart, Ian McKellen. <laughs> what was wrong? Actually released by Lionsgate on January 18th, 2013. Starring Arnold Schwarzenegger, Forrest Whitaker, Johnny Knoxville, Rodrigo Santoro, Jamie Alexander, Luis Guzman, Eduardo Noriega, and Peter Stormare. Written by Andrew Nauer and directed by Kim Ji-Woon. Man, I was looking at my notes, and so I missed the... I got. I think Patrick Stewart is when I finally looked up. Yeah, I saw your face. Like, what's going on? What here? is happening here? I just enjoy the fact that there's an X Men movie also called The Last Stand, and just it's fair enough. This is a better movie than that Last Stand. I think. I'd be curious to know how you feel. It this one holds up. The X Men Last Stand. Well, both. I haven't seen that more than once. I think I only saw that in theaters. So I I'm pretty sure I saw it with you like, years ago when it first came out. I think you're right. Um, it's an awful movie. <laughs> That's the third that's, one, yeah, right? Yeah, it's the third one. Yeah, it is not good. And it's too bad, because X2 is actually a really good movie. Yeah, that's the one by Brett and Radner. Yeah. Uh, no, the, the third one. The third one, one yes. Yeah, and that, that's probably an indication of why it's awful. Sorry, we shouldn't talk about That's my little joke, and we've gone off topic because of my dumb little that, joke. No, that's t- fair. <laughs> um, no, so uh, the actual last thing with Arnold Schwarzenegger, um, since we had a pretty heated disagreement, at least over parts of Conan the Destroyer, I'm going to put it on you and... Uh, and see how you feel about this one first. I enjoyed it. It, it has a couple big picture problems that uh, I want to talk about, and there's a lot of little problems. But honestly, the little problems didn't bother me so much. I know that I tend to be king nitpicker on this <laughs> podcast. But, I mean, I was willing to forgive a lot of stuff. I think, generally speaking, the, all the stuff in the town is great. That's, I think, just my summary. I think I enjoyed it a lot. Yeah, and I was afraid that as we had noted, probably dating back now into season two, that we were afraid that this wasn't going to hold up well, and it was just that our excitement about a new Arnold movie coming out. And um, so maybe my expectations were lowered, and maybe that helped. I thought this was, you know, a lot of fun. It's not great. There are some problems with it, but overall, this this is one I would definitely watch again. Yeah, and it's, it's cool that it's basically a modern Western. Yeah. Which is, you know, I think when Arnold has tried that in the past, it hasn't been all that successful, I think it's fair to say. Uh, one movie in particular I'm thinking of, but, <laughs> you know, this works. Like, I think all that stuff works great. He is giving a really good performance. I think the fact that it's his first movie back, he hadn't acted yeah. in any major role in, what, it was 10 years, right? I think so. So you wouldn't know it all. I no. think he's great. Yeah, and they, so what I remembered about it, after watching the deleted scenes, they actually played it up even more and cut some of the stuff out. What I remembered about this movie was making fun of how old he was. And I thought there were more references in the movie than there actually are. And then when I watched the deleted scenes, there's actually a few other ones that got cut out. So oh, I, really? Yeah. So it probably was the right balance. But that was one of the things that I remembered about this movie. And it wasn't as prevalent as I thought. There, there's a couple, but it, it wasn't just, oh, this, this is an old guy, so let's keep you know hammering on that joke. Well, I think it's because probably the reason why you remembered that way, and I remembered it that way also, is because they put every old joke in, in the, trailer. the trailer. Yeah, I, and I just remember seeing that trailer over and over, him diving through the the, the, the doors. door, uh, which really, in the context of the movie, that moment kind of annoyed me. But I don't want to jump ahead. But yeah, I agree. It's he, he doesn't seem that implausible as I mean, he's playing kind of more of an everyman than he usually does. Yeah, uh, which works, and I think at this point in his career, that's it what he should be. be doing. Yeah. yeah, no, and 
So it's it's interesting now that we're kind of finishing up the post governor return. To be honest, I I kind of liked all of them. You know, ab- sabotage. Oh, I forgot about. I, I always forget <laughs> yeah. about sabotage. Yeah, sabotage is pretty. I like the. I still like the idea of sabotage. The execution was not not great. Um, in aftermath, I still don't know. I, I think I'll watch it again to 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 really know how I feel. Yeah, but three out of four is still pretty good. No, I agree. I, That's I, a good betting average. Yeah, other than sabotage, and even sabotage, I agree, it has a lot of interesting stuff in it. And and it's not it's not Arnold either in sabotage. I think that that's it's the script. Yeah, agreed. I mean, it's it's a real mess. Like right. I don't know, David Ayer. Other than Training Day, like as a writer, I think he's really good. But as a director, I've never been that impressed with any of his stuff. Yeah. So I think part of the problem is because of David Ayer, right? Not uh, having the right director or the right team can make a good script bad, right? Yeah, but I'll bet. This escape plan and Maggie, you know, at the end of all this, when we're doing our rankings, they're Don't, all going to be in the top half for I, sure. I was going to say, yeah, they're definitely in the top half without a doubt. Yeah, I, I agree. It's a shame that these movies aren't doing well because they're all pretty interesting. Even when they're failures, they're interesting. Yeah, it is disappointing. I mean, look, yeah, his his star definitely has faded and we'll never really know if, you know, he hadn't run for governor after the the third Terminator, you know, what his career would have looked like. And, you know, maybe it wouldn't have been good. I, it, it's hard to know, but at least... It was definitely going in the wrong direction. Yeah, it, it was. It was headed in the wrong direction. And, you know, maybe maybe these now look good on a comparative or on a relative basis. But I was afraid that this was the one that you and I had fond memories of. Not that it's that that old, but we were really excited when it was coming out. And I was afraid it wasn't going to hold up. But as I said, I'd, I'd definitely watch this again. Oh, it's a good movie. Yeah. It, it has the potential to be a really great movie. I think there are some things that really hold it down primarily. Because my note is this is a 70% really fun Western and 30% really boring FBI procedural. Yeah. That Forrest Whitaker stuff. It's, and I like Forrest Whitaker, but it's all unnecessary and boring and just, there shouldn't have been so much of it. I, I don't disagree on that. And I think this also suffers a little bit. That I don't think the villain, I'm not, I don't think he's a great actor. I'm not sure it's an interesting character either, but that's my other, that's my second big flaw with this movie. Yeah. The villain. And, and I think you're right. This is a good movie that's fun that I'll watch again. I think I think I might even be able to forgive, and again, I'm not uh, disparaging Forrest Whitaker. I just don't think the character is very interesting. I think, though, with a really good villain, you know, somebody like Charles Dance and Benedict, not that it had to be, you know, that, but somebody who's really engaging. Yeah. I think this could, I, I might even say this could have been a great movie. I think. A great action movie. Let me, let me soften that a bit. A great action well, movie. Well, right. It's not. You know, it's not Casablanca, or right? it's no. not like it's not going like, to. No, but I, there, there's a few, right? I would argue Terminator and Terminator T2. I would argue those are great. Movies. Oh, I see what you're saying. Just, just yeah, you're okay. I understand. I'm stepping it back a little bit that within the action, it's not a genre, masterpiece. No, it's not. Doesn't but, have that much potential. But no, yeah. but this had the potential, I think, with a better villain to be a great action movie. Yeah, well, let's take the two things one at a time. Because as far as Forrest Whitaker is concerned, I don't even think necessarily the problem is that his character isn't interesting. I mean, you're right; it's not interesting, and he has nothing interesting to do. He just has no impact on the plot at all. Once he loses the guy, he literally accomplishes nothing to the point. Do you know where I'm, I can see your face? You know where I'm I, going with I this? I think so, but get there. I dub him Agent Zeus. <laughs> I have spoken. <laughs> <laughs> I whipped up a little sound effect for, for Zeus. Oh, you made my day. I love Agent Zeus. I have spoken. <laughs> because... As soon as they lose him, all he should, his only first of all, you, you don't need an actor like Forrest Whitaker in this part. 
because he doesn't... Okay, He's not used. He utilized. has no purpose in the plot. All this character should be doing is calling up Ray, Arnold's character, and saying, we've got an escaped fugitive. We think he might be headed your way. That's it. He's done. And then show up at the end. Good job. That's all you need. Why are we cutting back to him over and over and over <laughs> and over? It's worse than Zeus. We cut really? back to Zeus maybe wow. three times, four times in Hercules in New York. That's, by the way, just to explain what that means. Agent Zeus meaning in Hercules in New York, they're constantly cutting back to Zeus. I like that he's not the Zeus of this movie. He gets a special designation. He's Agent Zeus. I, we, what's his character's name? You know, uh, John Bannister. Bannister. We, we should change the Zeus of the movie to the Bannister of the movie because it's so much worse. I'll bet we cut to him ten times over the course of the movie. After, I mean, I understand him being a part of the movie when the prison break happens. Yeah, when he's, the transfer's happening. Just constantly going like, oh, he's here, and oh, looking set at up a this GPS. roadblock, and looking yeah. at maps and things, and then he's flying, <laughs> he's getting in a plane and flying places. It's like, you're not even, even when you get there, you're not going to be able to do anything. He accomplishes literally nothing. Wow. I'll bet we spend, what do you think, 20, 25 minutes of this movie? I can see him? that, yeah. That's now, some, my, some of that 25 minutes, though, I do think is relevant, but the majority of it's not. Very little. Like, what, what's relevant? We learn a little I, bit about Ray's backstory through him, that they look him up, they go, oh, he's an LAPD, da, da, da. Yeah, you get that, which is a little bit cliche, his, his backstory. But yeah, I, I, no, yeah. and I'm going to say that the time on the, basically the, the jailbreak, I mean, that, that's relevant, too. Oh, yeah, definitely. That part is. Yeah. I'm saying once he's in the fast car and driving away. Oh, no, I, I agree. But I, don't, don't you think some of that 20 minutes is the jailbreak? Or you're saying 20 minutes I'm of cutting after back. after it's over. Mm. I, I wouldn't be surprised if it's a lot of time. It's a lot. I, I'm not going to say you're wrong on that. I, it just seems like a lot. But you're probably right. And I can't disagree yeah, with you. Maybe I'm overestimating because it felt like 20 minutes. Maybe <laughs> it was only you know, 8 or 10. But it's the, too much. I can't disagree with you that the banister of this movie is unfortunately worthless. <laughs> That's the, the, the Zeus rolls off the tongue a little better than the, the banister. <laughs> Um, I do like Agent Zeus. Every time we cut back to him, here he is again. He says, I've spoken. Set up a roadblock. I've spoken. You're right. And in some ways, that was probably the perfect uh, soundbite for <laughs> for his character. He just should, Every time he does, he's barking orders all the time. I have spoken. <laughs> I wish I'd set up this this sound effect, you know, two seasons ago. Because uh, as we're winding down, I've got this Zeus sound. It is sound perfect. Sort I, of I like got some more sound effect stuff. Collateral damage. <laughs> there is quite a bit of collateral damage. If there you want is. me to cue that up, we can do that. Uh, I kind of enjoy doing the collateral damage myself. <laughs> okay, then I won't. So, um, yeah. But, so, I, o- overall, I would say this is definitely worth uh, listeners' time watching, without a doubt. No, I agree completely. And, uh, yeah, it's it's a good movie, bordering on a great movie. It just, unfortunately, has some, you know, two two big flaws. Like I said, yeah. one, one Forrest Whitaker, the other the villain. Before we jump in, I do want to talk about the villain a little more because, okay. again, I don't think it's a problem with the character or the actor. I think it's a structural problem where there's a guy in a car, a fast car, driving for the border. He's the Cortez, right? That's, he's the he's the correct. He's the Gabriel, which or Gabrielle, Gabrielle, Cortez. Gabrielle Cortez, not yeah. Gabriel, Gabrielle Cortez. Which I didn't, I didn't even like the name of the villain. <laughs> I didn't even really think about it. Why is Gabrielle not good? I don't know because maybe it's because my nie- it's my niece's name, and oh. I just I don't I don't see <laughs> well it's, drug cartel Gabrielle. Sorry, I see what you're saying. He's the kingpin, the the of, of some uh, Mexican, cartel. Yeah, Mexican drug cartel. Okay, fine, but he's in this car the whole time. He never interacts with Arnold at all. This is similar to what we've talked about with Raw Deal with uh, uh, what's his name, uh, Agent Johnson. What's the actor's name? Agent jo- Oh. From Die Hard. The actor played Agent Johnson. <laughs> Whatever. You don't, uh, you uh, know. Robert Davi. Robert Davi. The yeah. other one took you too long. I was like, I, I'm, I rely on you to remember names because I can't. Remember. <laughs> Jeez, come 
on, man. <laughs> That's still pretty good. That yeah, least, on the spot, you're, give me this guy's name. Uh, hold on, wait. No, fair enough. <laughs> so I'm, so, I'm so bad at remembering names that if you can't <laughs> you remember the name. You barely remember my name. I know. <laughs> if you can't remember the name, we're really in trouble. Yeah, Robert Davi in Rodiel, we talked about this, how he should have been the final fight, basically. Absolutely. Should have been in the a final similar boss. way of Commando, where it's not the main no, guy. It's Bennett. It's, it's Bennett. Here, the, the cartel boss in the car, he's just a ticking clock. That's all he is. He's not even... I mean, they treat him like the main villain of the movie, the final confrontation with him, but he's not. He's just a ticking clock. It's like a bomb... If the bomb is going off, he's not the explosive, he's the clock. You know what I mean? Like, all it is is we need to... Stop stop this guy. Stop him when he gets here. The actual villain should have been Peter Stormare. Yeah, and he's a better actor and far more interesting. Uh, He's a better actor, but boy, that accent. (laughs) What's he doing? (laughs) I mean, it's kind of fun. I don't mind it so much, but he shouldn't have done that. (laughs) You know what I'm talking about? Yes, I know what you're talking about. I can't disagree with you, but I just like him so much is the problem. Oh, I do, too. I mean, you know, we've we've talked a lot about Fargo. We both love Fargo. He's great in Fargo, and he's great in this, but he is, I'm Southern. Can't you hear? I'm not from Sweden at all. (laughs) Look, I can't disagree with you that it wasn't working. It's such a bad accent. It was a bad choice. It was a bad choice. But it is almost to the point where it's funny, yeah. so I don't mind it so much. But <laughs> No, I mean, there's some stuff in here that's pretty silly, and that kind of falls into the silly category. But, but, but you're I mean, right. The, the movie... Go, go ahead. I, they, they, I mean, the most interesting stuff really is, by the, by the time he's killed, when Burrell is gone... After that really isn't all... It's not terrible, but it's not nearly as interesting. I wrote down, Peter Stormare is dead. Oh, my God, there's 25 minutes left. <laughs> there's a note in my... I, I remember making that note. Oh, my God, there's 20 minutes left. It's 25. I'm sure some of that's credits, but yes. Yeah. Uh, but, I mean, Peter Stormare and Arnold should have interacted more. They should have had more dialogue with each other to build up, like, an animosity. And then the, the entire focus should have been about Peter Stormare and his goons storming the town and Arnold and his deputies protecting the town. Guy in the car, who cares? I, it's, he literally, it's just when he gets there is when the fight is over. It's all it is. I, I, don't, I don't disagree with you. Yeah. And that, that you're probably right. That might have been another change that just would have made it. it and it wouldn't have been that big of a change either, right? It, no, yeah. It, that's a script change. That's not a casting change. That's just a script change, and it's probably not a major one either. It could even be an editing change. Like, I, if I was working on this movie... You know, I would have, if if I was looking at their edit, I'd be like, you know what, just cut out all the stuff of him driving. You know, I mean, you, you need to keep updated. Oh, he'll be here in whatever forty minutes. Uh, but cut out all Forrest Whitaker. Cut out him driving. Put the focus on the confrontation in the town because that's what works the best, and that's where all the drama is. The interesting stuff, man. We know the guy is not going to get caught before he gets to the town because then what's the point of it all? You know what I mean? Like he's obviously going to get to the town. Yeah. So anyway, I, I just think they should they should have understood where their true villain is and you know i just don't think they really understood no where all their all the drama was yeah i think probably that to, to me i think that's probably the bigger miss than just the inane stuff i think i could tolerate the forrest whitaker stuff more if they would have gotten the villain right meaning peter stormare or meaning cortez yeah well I, I, your change probably is even better than getting a better actor so i i think if they either through an edit or through a script change put more focus on peter yeah, stormer put yeah. more focus on him and probably more focus in the town too cuz actually some of the you know the supporting people and the comedy that comes from that that's some of the best stuff that the movie has yeah i agree and it's, i mean I, you don't want to overdo that you know so maybe maybe it's another 3 minutes or 5 minutes of the movie you probably don't want too much more but i i would have been completely okay if we would have got a little bit more of them and speaking of comic relief 
I didn't mind Johnny Knoxville at all. I was waiting for you to say something because I thought you might have just said no. respite. <laughs> no, I, I will. He's I, a he's definitely a weak spot, but he doesn't ruin the movie. I will gladly be the better man since oh. you refuse to let your hatred of Grace Jones go. <laughs> I will be the better man. I promise to knock Johnny Knoxville. No pun intended. <laughs> every every episode, every, almost every episode now. <laughs> it would well, be great if we. It would be great if we were that smart that we wrote this stuff, but it actually is not written. My brain is much smarter than me. <laughs> it just comes out. Um, no, but I promised to come in, you know, firing. Yeah, I'm not Johnny Knoxville as revenge for you not letting you know for your hatred of Grace Jones. No, I didn't mind him. He's actually kind of funny. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I'm surprised. He, he he's. I think he's a weak spot, but he's he's not terrible. At least for me. Yeah. But do you want to do you yeah. want to jump in or I'm ready to to dive right in. Starts with a copy and a donut. <laughs> yeah, there are there are definitely some clichés in this. Yeah, we never we hadn't talked about the fact that this was directed uh by what's his name uh, Kim Ji-woon and uh like he didn't speak a word of English when he made this movie. Which no, because I I asked you if you had watched any of the behind the scenes stuff and I I pulled up uh, cuz I I used a DVD rather than Amazon and I had no idea until I'm watching one of it and he they have it being translated. I'm like, oh man, how does that work on set? Yeah. Interesting. I mean, it worked pretty well. Yeah. And I, I, the only one of I've seen, uh, I haven't, I saw it a long time ago. But uh, the good, the bad, and the weird, which is a Korean western, <laughs> which is his movie prior to this, it's pretty good. Um, but I've never seen any of, the, any of the, his other stuff. But yeah, just the fact that it turned out as well as it did. But I guess the only reason I bring it up is because I wonder if like the copying the donut is just like one of these cliches that, you know, to a Korean isn't all as much of a cliche or he doesn't realize how played out something like that is just it like, Oh, be. it's a funny thing, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So we're nine miles outside of Vegas. I kind of had an issue with this. I, I don't know in what direction, but nine miles outside of Vegas, especially while he's heading South, which I believe I should have pulled it up before we did it is the next suburb is Henderson, Nevada. I'm telling you, you drive nine miles outside of the city limits of Las Vegas, I'm pretty sure you're still in Henderson, Nevada. Okay. I mean, you're probably right. There's just enough suburbs like around it to... Oh, you know what? No, I take that back because that opening scene, it would have been... You were west of Vegas because it was stolen from the LA Auto Show, so they would have been coming east on whatever brings you into Las Vegas. How, what are you basing the direction on? I don't know Vegas as well as you. Is it just but based on looking at the city? You know what? No, it had to be because if they stole it from L.A. and they're driving it to Las Vegas to spring Cortez, they had to be coming from west, so they were driving east into Las Vegas. Yeah, that would be my assumption. Yeah, the so way, when the way the cop had to be nine miles west, and I actually don't know west nine miles outside of Las Vegas proper. It actually might still be just the desert, like where he is. I didn't take that too literally. I just figured like nine miles outside of populated area, like quote unquote Las Vegas, I guess. meaning I, that the kind Vegas of stuff, metropolitan area. That kind of stuff bothers me because if you're going to say that, then I think you should actually be specific, well, but whatever. You know, we live in the worst region in the world for that sort of thing. Chicago is the worst for that. People don't actually say, oh, I live in wherever, whatever suburb. They say I'm from Chicago. I so guess that's true. I'll bet people from Henders, whatever town you said, they just say Las Vegas. Uh, now I don't know if they do, but whatever. Well, now that I really think about the geography, talking it out loud and where the car had to come from it, he heads South down through Henderson, but that's after he takes off when it's actually on its way to this opening scene, it has to be coming from the West and driving East. So that okay. I actually don't have as big of an issue. I'll take your word for it. And yeah. So there's, well, the cop thinks it's a low flying plane or yeah. <laughs> kind of like, okay, it's <laughs> kind of funny. I don't know. Yeah. Like he just doesn't have anything to do out there. He doesn't believe the because the the speedometer says like it's like a hundred and hundred ninety seven or something like that. Yeah, it's like uh, Ricky Vaughn or whatever. <laughs> the wild thing driving yeah. in. Yeah, and there's a title card. 
A very over-the-top title card. Very over-the-top. And then it blends CGI-wise. Here, I, I was getting pretty nitpicky. But it gets you to establish what town you're in. A memorial for the fallen office. I'm like, how many can there possibly be in this sheriff's department? Well, and it gives a date, too, which makes me think something happened on that date. It says, dedicated to the fallen soldiers of Somerton County Sheriff's Department, Somerton Junction, Arizona, June 20th, 1969. And then there's a Bible quote. So, like, hmm. Did something happen? The, I agree. It's a strange plaque. It's the fallen of Somerton County, this tiny little town. Yeah. Many, well, yeah I, I assume there was some kind of an incident. We never get to learn what it was. It's no. strange. I knew there was a date, but I didn't zoom in to, or try and find out. I just thought it was a dedication date. Like, oh, this is the day we put the plaque up. Right. To all. Oh, okay. That could be. To all fallen police officers from previous. Yeah. I mean, that would have been my guess. But because guess, it was in 69, I don't know. It seems like. I, a long time ago to have a memorial plaque. But I guess, that doesn't mean they don't exist. I guess that's plausible if it's for any previous like generations of cops. That yeah, in like the 1800s in yeah, the Wild West. It's a frontier town. I mean, it's it's a fictional town, but it's supposed to be around Yuma. So yeah, I mean, right. obviously like... 310 of, to Yuma. Yeah, exactly. I did look up this date. I, see, I was assuming that something must have happened on that date, but you're probably right that it's just the date of the plaque, but I did look up what ha- things that happened on that date. Oh, please tell I me. don't think this plaque is referencing either of these two things, which is <laughs> Judy Garland died from a drug overdose on no. that date, June 20th, 1969. <laughs> There's no place like home. And also, it was the date of the Cuyahoga River Fire. <laughs> As mentioned on, in the beginning of uh, Major, Major League. Major League, talking about Ricky Vaughn. Randy Newman song. But yes, it's a strange plaque. You'd think they'd explain it. In the yeah, it's, I mean, I, it is an interesting way to establish the location where most of the action is going to take place. I can't remember ever seeing anything like that before, so that was kind of interesting, but it was weird at the same time. I think it's just maybe the movie trying to show you know respect for police in general because it's going to show, well, spoiler, but only one cop bites it in this movie. Oh, so. Jerry. Um, oh, wait, no, are there any FBI guys? Oh, FBI guys also die. A couple of FBI guys. Well, yeah, and then there's police in Bullhead City, Arizona. They really get mowed down. Oh, yeah, I forgot about those guys. You're yeah. right. They get it the worst. Yeah, they, they it does not go well for them. Yeah, so maybe that's the only reason that plaque is there, just so that the movie can show they're behind the police. So we're at uh, 8 a.m. This movie, I, I'm, I'm counting on you to really be the, the timekeeper, because the movie really focuses on time a lot in this movie, and I'm hoping that you uh, put some time, no pun intended, uh, into that, it, I I wrote them down in some places. I don't think I wrote it down every place because I think it's a little fast and loose with some of those times. I and mean, really, what I the thing that is the most questionable is this guy is in the fastest car, and we'll get there. But the guy escapes pretty soon. For, he's a, you know, he gets in the the Corvette the, the, Z ZR one. Yeah, the fastest like car in the world or something or something like that goes two hundred miles an hour. I mapped the distance. It's only like 280 miles. So he should be able to make that trip in under two hours. <laughs> Maybe he pulled over. He had to go to the bathroom. I guess. Or he just he was being sneaky and didn't, you know, he's driving without his headlights on or whatever. But uh, when Kit would, went, went into stealth mode. That, but that's the biggest thing is I think he escapes at 3.30 a.m. And he doesn't arrive in the town until close to 8 a.m. Yeah. So that's the biggest leap. We're just like, what was he doing that whole time? <laughs> it's not that far. Well, that's uh, that's why I wanted to know if you put some time into that. I, I did, didn't map it out. I did. T- I mean, I don't think it matters that much because the other thing I noticed is, you know, this is much later. I'm, this is my justification for not really paying that much attention to the times because later there's a part where it says seven ten a.m. on screen, and then he goes into the diner and the clock on the wall says seven thirty five or something. <laughs> so that those two shots are like less than a minute apart. Oh so man, that the, is bad. The lack of detail there. It's like I don't think it really matters. No. All right. 
So it's 8 a.m., and apparently the entire town is clearing out for a high school football game. Yes, and they've scrounged up three school buses, and then there's apparently another school bus later. This town has got a lot of school buses. <laughs> for its size, just you're right. Tiny little town. I didn't think about it. I missed that one. That's a good catch. Yeah, but yeah, the, basically the whole town. It's just a way to empty the town so the yeah, movie so doesn't have to the, worry about. The collateral damage <laughs> well, is minimized. Absolutely. The beginning, I don't know. There was some stuff I didn't like. This joke about Arnold's shoes, and he has like boating shoes. I, it didn't land for me. Yeah, I just don't, I don't know what the joke is supposed to be because I'm undercover. Something like that, right? Yeah. But it's, it's because it's his day off, right? He's just kind of... He's, he's just lounging, which yeah. is understandable, but I don't know. I just I didn't think that that was that funny. And then, He came into town to see the, to- the team off and to get some breakfast. And- get some breakfast and then to, to set up the obvious, oh, this you know nice sports car is being parked. <laughs> yeah. the, the cliche set up, this thing's going to be destroyed. It's just, just a question of when and how destroyed. It's Chekhov's Camaro is what that is. <laughs> Yeah, it's so obvious. <laughs> I like that the ch- the changing Chekhov's car instead of a gun. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I don't. We want... must destroy this car if we've made a big deal about it. Is your rule at the end about this car at all? I don't want to step on your rule. Uh, it is not. No. Okay, because I feel like a rule in any movie. If you're a mo- character in a movie, and you tell someone. <laughs> Be careful with this. <laughs> you have doomed yourself. That you, whatever your your thing is that you want someone to be careful with, that it will be totally destroyed. So never tell someone to be careful. with No, that. there is an instance where you should tell them. Oh, what's that? When you're trying to commit insurance fraud and you want the car destroyed or stolen, then you should in the movie say, "Please do not do anything to this car." <laughs> what is that in reference to? Is that a, just in general? Oh, I mean, I thought you were referencing a specific movie. No, I'm just in general. You know, there's times where people are trying to commit insurance fraud related like, to their cars. But whatever you say, the opposite will happen. Right? Is yeah, it's basically it. Like, so then when yeah. you want something bad to happen to your car, say, please, don't make sure that this is in pristine condition. Yeah, just it's so telegraphed. Be careful with my car. You just know that thing's going to get wrecked. I mean, I obviously, I remember from before, but even I remember I remember being in the theater you know, when we this first this is going to get destroyed. Like, yeah, that car is doomed. Uh, I want to back up a little bit because this is, I, I'm going to get my, my sound effects moment out of the way right now. Okay. This made me laugh, and this is maybe just me. I can't believe it's not the sound effect it, during the when a goon falls on something, which I wasn't sure what he fell on in the well, whatever. Well, oh, I may have missed. I don't. This, this there's is a weird up. sound effect. Well, we'll, we'll stop when we get there. I want to know. Right. I'm interested in these things, but okay. no. So the, the the football team is getting on the bus and yeah. cheerleaders and all that, and there, you can hear a marching band. Yes. And there's a tuba guy who <laughs> apparently is running late. This tuba guy made me laugh. So here's Ray. Ray does not have Lucky Ray license plates on, like, does, Ray Breslin. So you can hear the marching band. It perfectly captures a crappy high school marching band. It does, actually. But wait, after the football guys go by. There they go. And then here comes Tuba Guy. It's like he just showed up and he felt like he needed to play a little bit. And the, but as soon as yeah, as soon as the band stops playing, I rewound it like three times. I was like, "That's really funny." It actually, is. Uh, it helps to have the visual of him like running past. But uh, yeah. I like that a lot. Oh, th- I, I missed it, so thank you for picking that up. <laughs> Make sure we stop for the other one. I want to know what it is. I can't believe, yeah, because it happens twice. So If it's I, near the end, I tend to kind of, I spend, a, I do a lot more <laughs> nitpicking at the beginning, and then I just run out of steam. Like most things, just like, ah, just get to the end. <laughs> action scene, action scene, action scene. Fair enough. Okay, so uh, as you noted, Ray's basically here to, to get breakfast. So after we get the setup of a car that clearly is going to be destroyed at some point in this movie, yeah, uh, Ray heads over to get some breakfast. 
Yep, and Peter Stormare is there with some some one of his goons. Yes. Um, By the way, is it Peter Stormare? I I've never looked. I've never looked up the the phonetic, so I'm not sure. I think every American just says Peter Stormare, so we'll say that. But I think it, it might actually be Peter Stormare. But whatever, Peter Stormare. It's, it's that's, just, that's, that's what, what we're going with. Uh, and this actually does have. There's an extended scene here that uh, I did catch. There's nothing that's really added, but it was kind of jarring when you watch the movie because it's so random why Ray turns around and looks at Burrell, played by Peter Stormare, yeah. and, and the other trucker, because he just kind of turns around and looks, but there's there's more to the scene before he turns around and looks, and it makes a little more sense, but it doesn't add that much value. I don't think it's unusual at all. I mean, he's the sheriff. He's checking out. You know, He's got to know his surroundings. Hey, there's some strangers here. I guess, maybe. You're right. What, what, in, in is, the, what was the extended part? Uh, there's there's more conversation between Ray and the the owner, oh. and you hear a little bit more. I think you hear a little bit more of Peter Stormare's conversation as well. He like, overhears something that's suspicious or something? Yeah, that's what I think. It, again, it's not overly suspicious, but I think that's the reason why he prompts to turn around. I mean, his accent is suspicious enough. <laughs> I would be suspicious of this guy. Hey, he's hauling auto parts, okay? Well, he's he is smart enough to say auto parts. His buddy, like Arnold's like, oh, what are you hauling? And the guy's just like, uh. <laughs> His buddy is worthless. Stormare jumps in the, auto the old, parts. That's clearly why Stormare, uh, playing the character Burrell, why he's the leader, because he at least can think on his feet. Yeah. The only thing the other guy, he just got the trucker cap, and he thought that that, 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 that covered him. That guy's just there to shoot a gun. Pretty like, much. He's, he does not know how to answer this kind of question. No. But, uh, yeah, I don't want to harp on his accent. I'm, I'm going to keep bringing it up over and over. But, see, when I watched this scene, I couldn't remember from the theater. And I was going, like, wait, is he just putting on an accent and his actual accent? Like, this is, I thought, like, this is a phony accent that the character's putting on. Yes, to but try no. and hide who from, right. from the sheriff. Yeah, exactly. But, yeah. no, this is his character's This real is what accent. he's going with. Just want to bring that up. Uh, so, yeah, Ray quickly uh, doesn't pay for his coffee that he orders and uh, gets, gets a license plate on the truck. Yes, he wants to run the plate. Yeah, eventually that information gets used. Sorry, can I back up one more thing about the accent? I found a note of mine. <laughs> Please. I just want to ask you this. Which accent is worse, his accent in Last Sand or Joe Spinell's accent in uh, Stay Hungry? Remember, remember that? Oh, Where we were saying he was, the, uh, he was in witness protection? <laughs> <laughs> That's actually a really good question. Um, I'm gonna that go, was pretty bad, too. I'm going to go with Spinell because he, he was, was worse. Yeah, I think he might have been worse. Yeah, it's close. They're though. both really bad. I think I think Peter Stormare's maybe a little worse, but I his, think his is more fun. I was going to say his is a little bit more fun, and this kind of has some silly aspects to it. So I'm gonna I'm gonna give him the benefit of the doubt. But they're they're close. You, yeah, I, just I wouldn't make sure fault we... anybody for picking Peter Stormare in this. <laughs> okay. Just wanted to get that question out. So he gets uh, Ray gets the plate, and then we cut to get a couple more characters to be established, including Johnny Knoxville. Yeah, uh, and. Firing, they're shooting off guns. Firing off a hand cannon at a uh, slab of slab of meat. Yeah. So we got uh, Luis Guzman, who is always a, a favorite of mine. Agreed, and he's great in this movie. He is. He is fantastic in this movie. I he doesn't. Ha- he doesn't get a ton of screen time, but he's the time he gets, he's fantastic. Yeah, he absolutely does the most with what he's given. I love the fact that he gets to be heroic, which he rarely does. Yep. Yep. He's usually either a criminal or a coward. He is as much of a hero as Arnold's character. He's great. I love his character. Absolutely, and he balances. I mean, he always does it well. I mean, for comedic effect, Luis Guzman, you you almost don't get better than him. But you're he gets to be heroic. But at first, he is the coward of the movie. And but his he's completely believable in 
both aspects of his turn to be heroic as well as being trying to be the voice of reason saying, hey, this isn't our problem. Why are we getting involved? Yeah, he's more of a realist. I wouldn't say coward, but he's more of like... You're right. That, he, that's he, a, he's just saying like they're out of our league. Yes. But yeah, at no point does he back down from any of this. You're right. Like, that, that's I, the, thing. the coward is, is unfair. He is by far and away more the realist where it's like we're... Under different circumstances or different villains, maybe he would have been gung ho. It's like, why is this our problem? Yeah, understandably so. I think yeah. he, he has a point. Yeah. Um, it's weird because the last two movies I saw him in, or the last two things I saw him in, are McBain. Uh, no, <laughs> that was a while ago now. Uh, no, I saw uh, Keanu, the Key and Peel movie about the cat. Oh, I have not it? seen that. He's in that, and he plays a drug kingpin. And then uh, Narcos, which I have not finished yet, but he's in Narcos. Yeah, like, like drug he, kingpin. So like, yeah, he is. I mean, I've I've seen both seasons, and he's only in season one. Um, oh, I didn't want to know that. <laughs> I'm just going to assume he dies then. No, that's not necessarily fair okay. to assume. All right. Um, no, but he's he's great in both of those things. But it's just you know, it's nice to that he has a part that's not bad. Yes, you know. I I agree because he's done too much of that stuff other stuff in his career yeah. uh, and I'm glad to hear that you're finally watching Narcos I know I was pushing that on you for a while so I watched but, it I kind of lost interest to be honest with you but uh, I'll get back to it okay well anyway so uh, there, there's not really much here other than just establishing these three characters the other one that we didn't talk about is Jerry and he kind of seemed like he was going to be chum and he does wind up being chum in this movie yeah, once once you get to the scene where he's just like, I have big dreams and I'm going to move then to L.A. You, it's you like, definitely uh, knew he was chum, yeah, and that's sorry. a little cliche, too. Don't, but. don't do that either in a movie. <laughs> there's, you're right. There's a lot of rules that you can establish in this movie that are bad ideas. Yeah, for sure. It also establishes its weapons depot, which is going to be important later. So you're right. Not, not just it's these a, characters. But it's not just a depot. It's a museum. <laughs> yes, that's right. Open like one day a month or whatever. Yeah. For I, tax purposes. I, I did enjoy, I enjoyed that he's, you know, kind of, uh, I don't know, Saul Goodman-esque, that he's just barely within the, the law. I I don't know why I left. I probably shouldn't, but I left. <laughs> then when he's pulling out his permit, he just has random Skittles in his pocket. Yeah. I don't know why I laughed at that, but I really enjoyed the random Skittles. Well, I will say, I think one of the reasons why I like his character in this movie is they could have played this to be even more cartoonish and like more of a criminal, but he's actually much more responsible than he, by any right, should be. Like most, I think most movies would have made him be just this Yahoo he has a permit for all of his weapons. He does. He may be covered in Skittles, but he has a permit. <laughs> he has permits. He actually warns Jerry and like has some sense of like gun safety. It's true. You know, like when he takes the gun, he's pointing it on the ground and he warns him about the recoil and all right. that. Uh, you know, and and there he has like headphones when they're shooting. It's like, boy, this guy he's actually like pretty responsible, all things considered. Yeah, especially that he's played by Johnny Knoxville, right? Yeah. No, I mean, I th- I think they really found a right niche for him. Yeah. It works really well. I, I also did the ch- the chunk of beef that's on Luis Guzman's hat. And oh, the way yeah. he knocks it off is, is really funny to me. Yeah, that is good. Uh, and then so this is Ray pulls up and wants the plates run. And then he he takes his turn with the hand cannon, of course, can fire it with one arm with no problems whatsoever. Yeah, to set up the fact that he uses his gun later. But also, I think, for the trailer. I checked the trailer and the shot of him shooting that Magnum or whatever it is. It's a Magnum, right? Uh, no, no, it's not. Okay. Whatever it is. And it's bad because I actually watched, there's an entire armory experts that give you a whole bunch of information because they had basically two guys that were on set. Cause those are not, I mean, they're not CGI. Those are, you know, real firearms and yeah. real firearms experts. I watched the whole thing and I forgot, <laughs> I forgot what gun. That if was. I see a giant revolver, I just assume it's a Magnum, but whatever it is, I checked the trailer and that shot of him shooting that gun. Isn't so it? I think in part it's there for the trailer. So between that and 
uh, I'm old. <laughs> exactly. Those two things are probably in every yeah, trailer. Both of those are definitely in the trailer. Yeah. Speaking of trailers, this is kind of off topic, or it's very off topic, so maybe I'll cut this. But I'm, just, I'm curious to get your opinion. Star Wars Celebration happened recently, and they were talking about, you know, uh, Rogue One. You still haven't seen that, right? No, I have not seen that yet. But they talked about, on one of those panels, that they shot specific shots just for the trailer with no intention of putting them in the movie. And I heard that, and I went, that's unfair. That's kind of actionable as false advertising, isn't it? <laughs> like, couldn't they be sued? Is it kind of class action you, together? Are you Lionel Hutz suing against the never-ending story? I might. I don't know yeah. if it's actionable, but I do think it's unfair. To, but with no intention. It's one thing, you know, scenes get deleted all the time, but they never, at no point did they ever any, any intention to put it in the movie. I, I'm certainly not a legal expert, so I don't know. But I'm just curious about your I'd opinion. Say, no, I, my opinion is that it's it's... I don't know if disheartening is the word, but it's disappointing. I mean, I, I don't, I don't want, I don't want a studio because I'm guessing that came from the studio that it's not coming from. I don't know. Yeah, I didn't watch dire- all of it. I just, I can't imagine that the director says, "Oh yeah, I want to, I want to shoot a bunch of stuff that I know is not going to be used in the cut of the movie for the trailer." That sounds something to me like the studio, whoever it is. Yeah, probably. That's disappointing. I mean, I, honestly, it's dishonest. Yeah, it's really gross. Like I, I heard that, and it didn't seem like I didn't see any articles about it. Like this seems like bigger news than people are treating it that they did this. <laughs> well, no, I mean, okay. I, I, I guess it only I'll bothers you, us. I'm, I'm annoyed when there's stuff that is in trailer. You know, in, in you know movies when we were growing up in the '80s and '90s, I was annoyed when stuff would be in the trailer played over and over again, and you couldn't avoid trailers. Yeah, you know, that's, that's kind of the opposite problem. Where it's in it too much. Yeah, but I, I would be annoyed when there was something that was in there that did not make the cut of the movie. Oh, agreed. No, for, no, for sure. But I mean, usually it's because they cut the scene. Right. Like, they intended it to be in the movie. But and they what cut I'm it. saying is that I would, I would get worked up when I was younger. I'm like, this is BS. Why was this in the trailer? And right. then it's not in the movie. And then uh, that's far worse to intentionally shoot Intention. stuff yeah. to jazz up the trailer that you're not going to use in the movie. Okay. I'm glad you agree with me. I started to, to no, get off fine. topic, but it's just, I, I hadn't heard that. And I, I felt I'd feel the same way as you. I can't believe Considering the the blogosphere and every little thing, the the stupid Star Wars Episode Eight trailer dissected a million ways. What does this mean? He moved his hand left instead of right. It's like this is big news, and no one's treating it like big news. It does, it completely baffles me. But anyway, uh, I I agree with you. <laughs> we can move on. It's just so strange. Uh, so we get uh, another another cliche here. A a farmer. Which, yeah, yeah. I'm not sure how much corn is being... I did not look up to see how much corn gets grown in Arizona, but this guy grows a lot of corn. Well, I think they do grow corn. I did look it up, and they do grow corn, but the corn we see doesn't look healthy. I mean, maybe it's a different kind of corn. Like, I haven't... You know, we live in Illinois. You go outside of Chicago ways, and you're going to see some corn. It could be feed, too. I mean, that could be feed corn that is for cattle, not for, you know, sweet corn, the way you're thinking of, like, consumption for, for us. I mean, may- maybe. Or, like, to, to make cornmeal and stuff. But yeah. they, it's all brown. Like, I've never seen corn brown like that. You drive down south to, you know, central Illinois, and it's all green stalks. I've, I've seen plenty of corn in my life. I'm sure you have going down the U of I. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But th- this, I mean, you just immediately knew, surly old farmer, this this guy's, he lasted probably longer than I thought. The fact that Burrell even had a conversation with him, I was shocked. Well, just the fact that they got uh, Harry Dean Stanton to play this guy, who's uh, a favorite of mine. I like it when I mean, he's like ninety something now. Is he really? Yeah, and, you know, is he I, still alive? I think Did he still is up? as of today. I, I, th- I think so. Good for him. Um, but you know, I'm I'm such a big Alien fan. Yeah. So anytime I see Harry Dean Stanton, it's just like, you know, they a, got a lot of good act. I mean, Forrest Whitaker, as we said, unfortunately, is completely misused and and shouldn't be in the movie. The character shouldn't be. Yeah. They got a really good cast for this movie. I agree. Yeah. I don't think anyone gives a bad performance. 
you know, at worst, they just don't have much to do. Uh, but yeah, yeah, Harry Dean Stanton definitely does not last long. No, he does not. It's and it's pr- kind of graphic too. Yeah, I mean it's from a distance, but man, <laughs> he takes it in the head. Yeah, for sure. And he's the first on the body count. Yeah, body count number one. You'd think he'd know that these guys were on his property. Doesn't seem to really know. He's just like, who are you? Get off my property. Like, when he when he talks to uh, to uh, I already forgot his name. Burrell. <laughs> yeah, Burrell. No, well he knows because they the rest of his crew. First reports that he they say, hey, we're having a problem with the farmers. So, oh, that's true. So he does know, but he doesn't seem to have done anything about getting those guys to leave because they're it, to me they're still on the farm. Yeah, he doesn't seem concerned that there's this whole like crew of guys. There's a giant trucks that are there, probably. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, and like he's 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 talking to Burrell like he's the only one there. It just yeah. didn't seem to. I think I think the dialogue in this movie is weak in a lot of spots. I think this is true. one of those cases. Yeah. Uh, so then we cut to a scene. We get the. Frank, uh, Frank Martinez, I think, established him and, and actually deputy, excuse me, deputy city. You get two characters introduced here. Right, yes. Uh, and they're exes. They're, yes. They're strange. Estrange, and they have an argument. There's, uh, here's one of the things where the dialogue, I didn't really care. <laughs> oh, about the relationship? Or yeah, about, I had no interest. Yeah, I agree. It's, it's all very clunky exposition about, like, you know, we broke up and, you know, explaining to the audience their backstory and also the fact that he served in Iraq and Afghanistan yeah. to justify his. Although he doesn't really do a lot of shooting, to be honest, but I, it's it's there to establish that he can fight. Yeah, and to be honest, I, I think some of that, though, that deleted scene that I I, I told you about before we started um, recording oh, yeah, yeah. in the pharmacy, he's basically passed out. He's broken into a pharmacy, and he's you know back in there passed out. And so effectively what it is is I, I think that's furthering his, you know, that he's got some PTSD issues or that that's the— He's self-medicating. Yeah, he's self-medicating. For so sure. That stuff got cut. This. See, I don't think you need that because I just I just looked at it like an Otis and Mayberry just, situation. <laughs> He's just the town drunk, He's, and he, they lock him up. I don't disagree with you. I think though you're right that it was to justify that he'd be able to know how to handle himself right during during the siege is, oh, they, is the reason why they slip it in so clunkily. Just yeah. like you know, I fought in Iraq and Afghanistan. It's like, oh, why are you bringing that up? Like you're we're talking about your relationship. But, uh, you know, for sure, like most of the, the climax, he's driving that bus around. So that's about and the other thing, because they establish in the same sequence. Not only was he in Iraq and Afghanistan, he was a star track athlete. They don't use it at all. You'd think he'd be like Tom Cruise, who's running in every movie. If you're going to have a track athlete, you'd think you'd show him. He's driving a bus almost the whole movie. That's a good point. I didn't think about that. Yeah. They, they went a long way to establish that. And he was this great athlete. Yeah. And they don't use whatever. I mean, no, it, right. it's not a huge deal, but. We get these two characters established, and they have a history. That really is what this scene is. Yeah, and that uh, Jerry is a is friendly with Frank as well. They try and have a hug through the bars. Yeah, they're buddies. Yeah. And then from there, you get it's nighttime, and Jerry's he wants uh, a reference. Basically, he wants to move to L.A. and become a cop. We already kind of talked about we, that. We covered it. I did notice there are some. I think there were some weights in the background in this scene, weren't there? Oh, on the were porch? There? I believe so. Yes. Oh, did you see how much weight was? <laughs> no, nah, it wasn't wanna... a bench. I'm I. Oh, it was just like dumbbells? Okay. Yeah. There, well, there were two things. There was like a giant bucket of golf balls and some like free weights that were there. Oh, I, I missed so the Ray, Ray has some interesting hobbies. He's a golfer and he likes to lift a little bit. Okay. Well, he is. I mean, uh, John and Exfield did point out, like, oh, you're looking jacked. You know? It's like, okay, that's a line they put in when they cast Arnold for sure. Yeah. Uh, so now we get, uh, we get back to Las Vegas. It's 3.30 a.m. In, uh, in Las Vegas. Yes. The next night, by the way. The town left for the football game at 8 a.m. You're right. Is it a tournament, like a weekend tournament thing? I must be. It's, no, because I think that they were playing for state. 
So I don't know. You stay over the next. You're right. Well, stay. I think might be multiple games. I think maybe it's like a weekend. There's playoffs, but I, playoffs. Um, <laughs> I was. I'm pretty certain though. If it's the championship, it's just one game. Let's just, let's uh, yeah, just gloss know. over it and say fine. They. Play, I don't know if they play two games in a weekend though. It's been a long time since high school, and also we didn't go to a high school that would know what football state tournament is like. No. Not at all. <laughs> Unfortunately. No offense. I know uh, you didn't play in varsity, though, right? You played no, I played freshman year, and that was it. So I actually have. It's funny that you mentioned John Bannister. I just have a very serious Forrest Whitaker gets up some plot with exposition or sets up some plot with exposition. That's all it is. Yeah. I don't know why there's like 90 guys here to transfer a prisoner. No, and in particular, I also don't know why the U.S. Marshals aren't there because they're who transports prisoners. Yeah, you're right. It's, almost, it's all FBI guys, right? It, that's what it looks like to me. Um, I actually said, why isn't U.S. Marshal Raylan Givens here? But then I said, if Raylan was here, the entire thing would be over. You're right. I didn't think about that. It should no, definitely I, be the Marshals. I, if for no, I mean, I'm sure that the FBI would be, be there because right. of... I mean, it's implied, I think, that Forrest Whitaker caught the guy, right? He was the one who was investigating him and caught him. There, there's another actually deleted scene about that. I'm glad they deleted it because it doesn't add much oh. um, about him witnessing Cortez murdering somebody right in front of him. Uh, it, the only honest cop in all of Mexico that he was par- paired up with for, you know, th- they investigate. I don't know. It was not good stuff. It okay. would have been just even annoyed you even more because it would have been even more screen time for him. Um, Unless it tied into the you know siege of Summerton somehow. No, like, not at all. Right. Yeah. It, it just gave background of why he's so interested in Cortez. Then, yeah, it definitely would have annoyed me for sure. Um, but no, the marshals should be there for a prisoner transport. Even if it's just that they're a joint task force that they're working together, the marshals absolutely would have been there. Yeah. Whatever. I like how it's just, this is a top secret transfer. It's like, well, don't invite 80 guys. No wonder it leaked. <laughs> but yeah, they're going to transfer them. They're going to drive them through the streets of Las Vegas. And they really did not. I don't understand why they stop where they do. Yeah, they're like, wait for instructions or something, which I guess there were multiple people like on the cartel payroll because some whoever they were listening to on the radio told them to stop. And that's when a magnet picked up the car. Yeah. I, I, not magic. Magnet. <laughs> <laughs> would you like it better if it was magic? <laughs> uh, I mean, it probably would be. Or or would you like it better if it was the other last stand where it was Ian Missouri and McKellen as Magneto oh, right. just yes. lifting the car up? Which I, you, mean, I can tell you'd like that yes, better. It's both magic and magnet in the case of Magneto. <laughs> but uh, yeah, because I think in the last stand he picks the the uh, the Bay, Bay Bridge or the Golden Gate Bridge, one of the bridges. I think it's the Bay Bridge. <laughs> um, and so let me ask you this: so this magnet comes and picks up this car. I just have all of a sudden there's a random. Like sniper yeah. on top of it. Where did they come from? I, just, I have magic gunman. My nose. I, I think it's a woman. I'm not sure, but I think it kind of looked like it based on the whoever figure. it is. I, I was assuming it was a she, but she just appears out of nowhere. Yep. Like magnet comes down, nobody there. Suddenly firing and not well, hitting anything really either. Yeah, nobody hits anything. This is kind of a snoozer of a action scene. I think for the most part. Other than the, I was just said the poor driver. That that driver yeah, just gets lit up. He definitely does get lit up. He's number uh, two, and then the guy, the guard in the back, gets strangled with the chains. And and you assume like I did that the the shotgun driver who jumps out sort of like the get out from T <laughs> two yeah. he, he survives he right? survives he's badly injured <laughs> he's worse for wear but he survives for sure um, my question is this a magnet picks up the car that has your prisoner in it yeah no one thinks to find the cab of the crane that has the magnet on it and take the controls or find the person of the controls we learn later that someone's got like an iPad. 
that's controlling it, which is not plausible, at least to me. But uh, they don't even try it. They should at least run to the controls, but like, oh, someone's hacked it or whatever. You're right, because that would have been down on the ground. Yeah, it was literally right next to the street. I didn't think about it. Was, that. There was a fence in between. That's it. Well, <laughs> All they had to do was hop a low fence, and they would get. Uh, Force Whitaker's not in great shape, so maybe he would have had to send some of the other guys. Somebody could have gone in there and be like, "Oh, there's a computer or something, something." I, that can't be. They must have done that themselves, right? That can't be like a thing that they're claiming is like standard is being able to control a crane with a magnet just by iPad today. Who knows? I can't think that's a real thing. That's real. That seems pretty dangerous. You know, I can, I'm just imagining like the the salesman who comes by to like upgrade. <laughs> what could go wrong? This piece of heavy equipment you can operate it from a mile away. It's convenient. Just because drones need to be within a line of sight, don't worry about this giant magnet. Yeah, it's just that really, I did not buy it. Although, you know, it's one of those things I, I saw Fate of the Furious since our last episode. And if I'd seen that in a, a Fast and the Furious movie, I would have totally bought it. So, Did you enjoy Fate of the Furious? It's all right. It's not, it's not the best. It's not the worst. Okay. I forgot to say that um, in that um, kind of exposition, we get the introduction of Agent Richards, Ellen Richards. Oh, right. Uh, the most pointless character in this whole movie. Yeah, there really is not very... This the subplot bothered me so much. Just going to spoil the whole thing yeah, right now. Yeah, get it out there. It, it's kind of a waste. She gets captured by Cortez, and she's his hostage throughout yeah. this whole drive. He's driving for the border, and she's his hostage. And then you learn halfway through that she's in on it. Ooh. What does this change? Nothing. What, if she hadn't been in on it, what would have changed? How would the plot be demonstrably different? I don't not think, at all. I don't think much would have changed, but I think you had to have... They just decided to make her the one who was in on it, on how he escaped, to know the location of where they would have the giant crane. I don't necessarily need to know that. I mean, I'd just be like, as long as we know that somebody turned, you know, it does, it, I, guess, I guess you're right. That they just, at some point, they need to explain how they knew where the caravan would be and yeah. where to put the magnet, I guess. But I don't know, I just the whole, the, this is like revelation. Like, the movie was treating it like it was a big deal. Like, oh, she's, she's with Cortez. It means nothing to me. I don't even know who she is. No, I, I, can't, I can't disagree. To try and make it like it's a big reveal and secret, it was kind of pointless. And then he just kicks her out of the car at the end, and she gets arrested. It's like if she, if she had been a genuine hostage, honestly, I think it would have been better. I think this revelation actually lowers the stakes. Because before you learn this, it's like, oh, she, you know, she's a hostage. They can't blow up her, his car because she's in it. And then it's like, oh, well, she's a bad guy, so who cares? Blow up the car. Like, it, it literally lowers the stakes. It does, but in reality, you can't because we as the audience know it. But Right, they don't know. They don't know it. But it makes me care less about, like... You're right. I think that it would have been more interesting and in that you would have been more vested had she... Yeah. Had I they mean, not I, revealed it, maybe until the very end. They probably should have done that. Yeah, I think that would have been better. I mean, not that I cared that much about her, but at least it's like, okay, she's an innocent person who's a hostage. Like, there's an inherent empathy there that you lose by and, making her a bad guy. Yeah. Uh, and I, we, we also had to mention poor Agent Marquez, who uh, went to the alley with her. He... Uh, he didn't make it. <laughs> He's number four. Another thing that annoyed me. A lot of little details annoyed me. So right, uh, prepare for this. I think it's going to be mostly the FBI stuff. So, you know, when we're in FBI territory, I'm going to be stopping a lot to talk about this stuff that really bothers me. <laughs> okay. Cortez has a gun to his head and he goes, what's his name again? Agent Marquez. Marquez. Oh, Agent Marquez, huh? Baby on the way. And shoots him. It's like, what a transparent way to try to make us care about this guy. We don't need to give him his backstory. We don't need to, like, build sympathy in the audience or, like, learn who this is. Just say he's got a baby on the way. 
that'll make the audience care that he died. It's like I I just said that it it tries to make Cortez an an eviler villain, right? By having that statement, it's a total waste. I mean, they should have just called him Agent Baby on the way. Like just just cut to the chase. Agent Zeus and Agent Baby, <laughs> right, on, Agent the Baby way. on the way. It's such a shortcut. You know, all it's one scene him calling his wife. Oh, how's the that? That's so much better and less clunky than having the villain. Yeah, because how does he know that? Well, yeah. I mean, I guess you had, you assume that his spy or whatever told him. But I guess why is he telling him his own life story before he kills him? Yeah, <laughs> it's so clunky. Uh, it really bothered me. It's just so transparent and you know schlocky just trying to make us care about a guy that we don't care about that, yeah that you shouldn't because they he just got introduced and you're already killing him off in this scene we met him 20 seconds before he dies yeah it's bad add him to the body count yeah four all right uh i did kind of like the, i know you, you said you didn't really like any of this stuff and i can understand it i did like the the head fake that's used by having just a bunch of guys dressed up in orange it I, w- it would have worked better if it wasn't for the fact he basically was already scot free when that happened. I they didn't it. need to do that because he went down the zip line, which nobody bothered to notice oh, the giant zip line. I know the fact that nobody saw that. Uh, that that was an annoyance for me. <laughs> this is the these are the worst FBI agents. I mean, they do eventually notice it, but when it's way too late, way too late. Uh, um, I don't know. I I kind of li- I kind of like the orange jump track suits yeah i i don't hate it i think i like it i like the joke afterwards when he opens the door and there's like 20 guys in orange jumpsuits you know just in handcuffs yeah that's kind of and i actually liked so the the interrogation scene i was a little annoyed because the fact that they got a lawyer that quickly i just i find that very difficult to believe again playing around with the timing in this movie that they're interrogating these guys and the one guy you see already has a lawyer there. Well, he's presumably a cartel lawyer, right? Yeah, but the fact that he could get there that fast, they, they know where the FBI was taking him. But what I did love is the actor that they got to play it, the smile that that guy like has on his face. He is perfect yeah. for a mob lawyer. Oh, the, the lawyer. Okay, Absolutely. Yeah. Well, no, I thought I, you were talking about the guy who was no, the, being interviewed. The, 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 who's being interrogated, he's great, too. This is probably Forrest Whitaker's best scene, too. At least, at least for me, I think it's his best scene. I'd agree with that. But yeah, the fact that they claim that he's a Dutch Dutch national national soccer fan is so awesome. And they don't pay off the joke. He's oh yeah, what what country do the Dutch live in? And then he changes the subject. It's like you've set it up. I have it too. Some kind of punchline. Yeah. Either he should know and really show up, Forrest Whitaker, or he should or say Dutchland or yeah, something dumb. You've set it up, and there's no punchline. They just change the subject. But did you notice his lawyer? His lawyer, I'm telling you, he has. Like a Saul Goodman like smile to him. Oh yeah. I mean, oh, he's perfect. He's a mob lawyer for sure. Or, you know, cartel lawyer for sure. Yeah. Like uh, I, he definitely has that vibe. And this guy they catch, and he's this guy he's interviewing. I just I wrote this down because like he has very striking features. And I wrote down he's twenty percent Gary Oldman in True Romance and eighty percent Gary Oldman in the second half of Bram Stoker's Dracula. You're absolutely. That is awesome. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> he has it very much like that vibe. He's like strangely like vampiric, but he also has that like true romance thing going. Absolutely. Man. Gary Oldman in his stranger roles is more. And I haven't thought about Gary Oldman in true romance in a long time, and that just came back to me. <laughs> it's a great part. It's stuck in my mind. I really enjoy true romance. Yeah. Uh, so then we get now 4.32 a.m. I actually wrote down all the times. I'm a little disappointed you didn't. I'm glad that I did. Yeah, uh, I, I don't think they... And Arnold, uh, he's getting a call. And it's not Agent Bannister. It is Christy from the diner. Yeah. I like how... Uh, I mean, it makes sense that she'd call him. But I like how she's just like, Oh, the milk didn't show up. Do you really think this is the police matter? <laughs> 
I think he handled that well. I think I think he did, and uh, I just I, I forgot to mention it's Farmer Parsons. Yes, I, that that actually I think that's a good name for this farmer. It's like Parson Brown. He has no phone, so of course the only way to uh, to find to do a wellness check is to actually drive out there. So uh, Arnold's not going to go himself. He's going to send his deputies because he's really trying to just get a day off and be left alone. Well, but now it's not his day off anymore, right? This is like the next morning. So well, the whole thing about his day off, I don't understand what the point of that was. Well, I see. The thing is, is that he complains to Cortez at the end that he effed up his day off. <laughs> yeah, I know. So I think he had two days off. Yeah, he obviously, the, the movie treats it like this whole thing takes place on the same day, but it's not, right? Uh, no, maybe his PTO doesn't roll over and he's like, oh, I'm getting towards the end of the year here. <laughs> I need right. to use this stuff. Yeah. I don't even know how that would work. I don't know, like a, if you're if you're a cop and you work weekends at just PTO. I don't know how any of that works. <laughs> the things that we think about on this podcast sometimes. I have to think he just does what he wants. Just like, well, he is he is the sheriff. Yeah, he's not a deputy. Who does he report to? Who does he have to like justify his time off to? Well, he certainly he hangs up on FBI agents. He right. does. He answers to no one. And the mayor certainly he doesn't respect him. So. <laughs> Uh, and so we head back to the to the Zeus of the movie. Yes, but well, this actually this is a plot point that I guess matters because we established the car here. I mean, it's clear just from looking at this car that it is a fast car. I don't need a like the eighty second long scene explaining to us how fast the car is, and a whole other character who knows cars. Yeah, specifically there just to tell us about the car. I mean, some of this is I think product placement. Oh, <laughs> Chevrolet had a deal. This it movie. absolutely has. There's a, a Camaro. There's this Corvette, and I think even at the beginning, Ray's driving. Ray's driving. I think a Chevy Tahoe. I think. Yeah, so some some Chevy SUV for yeah. sure. So yeah, I think that's part of it. Is they had to sneak in the commercial for the Corvette. Of course they did. Yeah. Did you like or not? Like I, I went back and forth. The, a psychopath in the in the Batmobile. Oh yeah, I don't know. I'm fine with it. I don't think it's necessarily like a great line, but no, it seemed a little either. silly. Yeah. Anyway, so yeah, we get us. Basically, this is to establish he's driving a not even just a floor model. This is a show car that was basically made for the auto show. That's like a thousand horsepower. Or yeah, something it's ridiculous. like the most powerful engine. It's just something that implies that it's like the fastest car in the world or something like that. Yeah, doing two hundred miles an hour. Certainly the fastest street car, like street legal car in the world. Yeah, and so then you get to, it's now 4.45 a.m., so we're only fast-forwarding 15 minutes. I didn't write down any of these times, so. Uh, <laughs> and there's a, uh, like a sheriff's checkpoint, but it is not for DUIs. It's, it's basically a checkpoint that's been set up to try and catch Cortez. Yeah, and a highway, highway patrolman is questioning Charles Bronson, I wrote down. I didn't notice that. Did if think you look right? for it, the guy looks like Charles Bronson, like a lot like Charles Bronson. Uh, and Cortez just revs his engine. I had a real problem with him revving the engine with, in front of a police officer. This highway patrolman is such an idiot. Yeah. They must know what kind of car he's driving, right? I'm sure the FBI sent this information out. They drive a Corvette. You would hope so. And, I mean, I don't know why they're stopping all these cars, but I guess you could know. Maybe he just switched cars. You should check every car just to be safe. But it's very likely he is driving a Corvette. Here's a Corvette revving his engine at you in a threatening way. Thank you. In a threatening way is the most important part. And the guy's just like, uh, hey, guy. He's just, he never pulls his gun. He's just like, no. how does this guy not react? He clearly is Barney Fife. He's just like, huh? And then he drives away. Yeah. It's, it's annoying. From there, we head back to Farmer Parsons and Jerry and Sarah are, are checking in on him. Yeah, just a quick thing where they open the door. Like, yeah. They don't find him yet here. Don't find him yet. And you do. You get a lot of back and forth because you get a quick scene here that I have in my notes of, just the car driving really fast for no apparent reason. It doesn't really accomplish anything. Well, I think it goes, yeah, you're right. It goes from there, there then to Force Whitaker, who's like psychoanalyzing Cortez and telling us how like 
this is how he thinks, and uh, he wants to drive himself. Whatever yeah, it is. I actually have it cut to the FBI, and John Bannister is telling us tales of Cortez on the racing circuit until he yes. gets a call from Cortez. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, did, did we really need that, that he's like this amazing driver? It's like, it's pretty much a straight road, and he doesn't do any like amazing driving in this movie, does he? he well, he does a few things, and there's, there's one thing that was on the deleted scenes that... Oh, maybe it's so absurd. I guess he does go into the oncoming traffic uh, you know, lane for a little bit. Oncoming traffic, then he he's driving backwards and is able to flip two SUVs with the SWAT team. There, there's some ridiculous driving that oh, he does right. in this. That that is pretty ridiculous. But too. what I loved is Bannister. Yeah, when he finds out, you know, because he's calling with uh, Agent Richards' phone, and you know, he's threatening that you know he has a hostage, he's going to kill her. That Bannister just explodes. You know, that if you kill a you know another federal agent. I, right. I won't stop searching for you. So poor Agent Marquez didn't matter with the baby on the way. Killing one federal agent is okay. I think that's the one he's counting because he's the only one that matters because he had a baby on the way. <laughs> Nobody else had a baby on the way, so they don't count. Yeah, I agree. That that jumped out of me, too. You killed one federal agent already. It's like, they killed three, and Cortell's killed two personally, so you can't even say, like, him personally. Yeah, no question about it. He's forgetting at least one person. Yeah. You know, possibly two. And even so, what would it matter? It's like, you killed one federal agent, another one, you're really in trouble, mister. That's, no, that's what my point is, what? is that he should be furious that any have been killed. Yeah, I mean, basically he's saying, like, hey, don't kill your hostage, because that'll be the line, that's, you've crossed the line. That's the, that's the line in the sand. Yeah, I don't think this is what a real hostage negotiator would be doing. Just no. like, don't you dare kill them. Uh, uh, uh. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, whatever, he's stuck in this situation. He's trying to do what he can to... Yeah, so once, Cortez. once we get away from Agent Zeus and, and that uh, that scene, we head back to Farmer Parsons, and Ray gets a call that uh, Farmer Parsons has, has been murdered. Yeah, they find him in a closet or something. Yeah, and there is a comedic moment where he says, it's a murder scene, don't touch anything in there. <laughs> They've <laughs> yeah. already manhandled a bunch of stuff. Yeah, that's kind of funny. I mean, it's, it makes sense. They're a small yeah, town. They've never seen anything yeah, like this. For sure. Uh, then we get another time, and it's now 5.04, in case you're keeping track. <laughs> And uh, the Bulls Head City PD have set up a roadblock, which I don't understand why there aren't any tire spikes. Oh, yeah. Can you explain that to me? I didn't even notice that. I guess they figure, you know, just the cars across the road will be enough. Yeah, well, they're not. And then they're the nine guys with their guns. This is a tough body count, the scene, because I think we see guys, the same guy dying multiple times. That's what I thought. I had a hard time, so I was hoping that you, uh, you'd be able to help out. At the start of the roadblock, we see nine cops at the roadblock pointing their guns. And then when it's all over, everyone is presumably dead, and you see like an overhead shot where he drives through the roadblock. Did you count the overhead? And there are nine bodies on the road. So right. I think it's reasonable to assume. I think you're right. Can I ask you this, though? I had a real problem. How does Cortez know that Bullhead City is the place? I didn't pull up it on a map. Maybe there isn't anything else, yeah, anywhere is, else. Is this where those, the SUVs like smash through? The, or there's, yeah. a, there's like a, a plow, right? For, so the first thing that he has, two SUVs that the are just filled with guys with machine guns and they're the ones that shoot the cops. And then yes, he has the, I have the world's largest cattle catcher ever deployed. <laughs> I mean, is that supposed to be a snow plow? Where are they getting a snow plow in Arizona? <laughs> they must have, have hauled that in for a long distance. I had a major problem with this deploy the cattle catcher <laughs> is all I can think of with Mr. Burns. I had a real tough time. I also have nine on the body count of me trying to count them, so it had to have been nine. Okay. I didn't do the overhead, so I think nine is it. I'm glad that uh, matched up. And yeah, these was, guys just get one. mowed down. And yeah, they put up zero fight. As soon as the, the 
machine guns come out of the roofs of the SUVs, they just turn tail and run. <laughs> yes. Like almost none of them even shoot back. They're like, ah, they just turn. They get. They're all getting shot in the back. But what's funny is they were so confident that their roadblock was impenetrable. Oh, I know that guy who's in charge of the roadblock is like, we got him. Like, yeah, the most <laughs> overconfident guy. Like, it's kind of fun seeing that guy getting taken out because he's so overconfident. Yeah. He's like, I'm a cop. I can handle this. We've got it. <laughs> yeah. Nope. All right, yeah, so uh, the next scene we get, Ray finally has shown up uh, on the scene, at the crime scene, and asks uh, if anybody checked for, for tire tracks. And this is another great Luis Guzman moment. Uh, just his oh, yeah. com- comedic timing. Uh, they were here first. <laughs> yeah. He is fantastic at yeah, that kind of stuff. I agree. He's great. I totally forgot about that, but yeah, you're right. That is a really funny moment. Because he doesn't skip a beat either. He, he know. yeah, I probably should have been the one that was... Yeah. I should have thought of that, or at the very least, I should have been checking. He's in CYA mode, for sure. <laughs> exactly. They were here first. Yeah. Uh, and this is then, after this, is what you get exactly what you're talking about. This point in the movie, we have probably at least half left in the movie. Yeah. And this is where it's the turn of, oh, yeah, she, Agent Richards is a crooked agent. $3 million. Right. And they just decide, here's the point where they want to reveal this. Yeah. Like, oh, you can stop playing playing, playing hostage. hostage. Why, why now are we getting this? What? Yeah, it's totally, like, arbitrary and not interesting at all. No, and I, as, I mean, we already covered it, but I think if it was revealed towards the very end, the scenes in the car would have had higher stakes and been more interesting all the way along. Yeah, it just cut the scene, and then he learns at the end that she's the mole, and yeah, I think that would have worked better. Confronts her. And, and to be honest, I don't think you would have needed to keep him in, but if you're going to have these Zeus-like scenes, him trying to figure that out probably would have given him something more valuable to do, and maybe more... I don't know how interesting it would be, but yeah. it's more interesting in the stuff that he does, because the next stuff is he's basically getting on a plane and flying down there. Yeah, I, I agree. It's more it's more interesting than the futile attempt to catch up to the fastest car in the world. He should just accept the fact that, like, well, it's out of my hands. I can't catch him. Let me see if I can find them all. Yeah. Focus let, on that. Let me make myself useful. Yeah, Here's one, one thing I have in my notes. So this at this point, went just after it's revealed that she she's the mole, is when they've got the helicopter that's tracking him. Yep. Please tell me... I, I can completely buy that you can turn off your headlights. How do you turn off all the interior lights? You don't. There are interior lights in that car that would be showing. But I mean, it's pitch black, right? You can't see anything else. There's no way the interior lights in that car are off when you turn the lights I off. I guess I never thought about that. I, it, it infuriated me. Well, if the he's got like a whole GPS system that shows the road. All oh, that's that true. Stuff that's how be... he's seeing the road is yeah. from the from like he's got like a night vision camera or something. Yeah, like. yeah it's kit basically. So there'd be that green glow at the very yes. least of the screen. Yeah, there's no way that this thing would be totally dark. Okay, I didn't think but about that. You had a look that's, on your face. True. You have something else. It looked like no. I assumed. By. I no. Actually, I assumed you'd have the same note as me. All I wrote down is it's a ghost car. Oh. That's that's all I wrote down here. <laughs> Chief Wiggum. In the Thelma and Louise episode. I totally missed that. I'm glad you caught it. We try not to do references here. I thought for sure. Ghost car. I thought for sure he'd come in with that. I that's I didn't really care about the scene. I just wrote down it's a ghost car and moved on. <laughs> I had no problem. I like that. So later on, did you have a note that maybe you're trying to tell? Uh, it's going to be directly under the Earth's sun now. <laughs> I don't remember, I don't remember that's that from the it. same episode when he's calling it in. Oh, geez, I'm terrible at this. Uh, so this is why I shouldn't. I should leave the Simpsons references to you because I'm just, I'm just going to get out Simpson as soon as I bring well, it up. Well, you got the key one of a ghost car, <laughs> although it shouldn't have been a ghost car because I'm telling you that stuff would have been glowing inside that car. No, you're right. I, I mean, I've never 
turned off all the lights in my car at night. So I don't know. <laughs> I think you're right. You cut it's, back then to the to the farm, and Ray is a is a real crime scene investigator, unlike the rest of his deputies. And he figures out that uh, Farmer Parsons was not killed inside the house. Yeah, he, he had to be killed outside. He, he finds blood on the tractor and all right. that. Yeah, I, I really would want to spend more time with Ray and his deputies, like learning that you know troubles afoot in town. You get like 30 seconds of them being like, oh, it was murder. Cut to chase FBI stuff that I don't care about. Back to them. Oh, there's blood here. Back to three minutes of just like, God, we're not spending enough time. It's like we're barely getting to see what they're doing. And the movie is focusing more. I mean, the focus switches in the end of the movie where it's almost entirely in the town. Yeah, the, the, the fight at the end. Like, that's when this movie's fun. This part is just so frustrating. It's just the movie's giving me all the stuff I don't care about and almost none of the part I do. Yeah. And you, and you get. More of that here, because you get back to, again, um, Bannister, but at least this time he's calling Ray, Arnold's character. Yes. And Ray totally blows him off. So I'm a little busy right now and just hangs up on him. It's, isn't this... And I, I skipped over it, but the, the, the Agent Zeus, this is the beginnings of having maps up on, on the screen. Oh, right. And he <laughs> figures out that, you know, that here's the likely crossing point. And the uh, I think this is where you get it established. Hold on, let me check my notes to make sure. Uh, oh yeah, that I have the the crossing point. One of the other FBI agents, I don't think you get that character's name, says that. Oh yeah, I know, I know the 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 border agent in charge down there. He's a real tough guy. Yeah, they just reinforced, and all I have is yeah, they have a big beautiful wall at that point. <laughs> I basically what he's describing. I definitely have a note somewhere about like this is a movie about a. Millionaire investigated by the FBI who then tries to erect a structure on the U.S.-Mexican border. <laughs> so I, there's an elaborate note. I think we already passed it, but it's, yeah, it's <laughs> some some uh, relevance in today's world. Current sure. times. Now, what was I going to say? Well, oh, I, I like the fact that they have this huge command center, and yeah, like most of the time, all it is, it just has Google Maps up on the wall. It's like... <laughs> you should have pulled it up on your phone. Yeah, I know. It's like this huge, like, probably a very expensive setup they've got here. Yeah, just Google Maps. Uh, I did have a question about Bannister's call to Ray. How does he have Ray's phone number? I mean, I'm sure he's public record somehow. He's Come on. a way to look up. Really? I, I know it's his cell phone, but yeah, I'm sure. If you're the sheriff of a, a town, you've got a poster. I had that there might person. be some nefarious that the NSA might have had some metadata searches uh, that, that they were hitting up. That could be, too. Uh, or, or maybe he just had a forwarding setup. Like, if you call the the sheriff's office and no one's there because they're all there at the, at the murder scene. So maybe you just set it up the forward calls to him. I guess that could be, I didn't think about call forwarding. You might be right on that. That, yeah. that could be, well, this then after he hangs up and he realizes that there's an escaped fugitive Ray pretty quickly puts it together that, that this murder and that are, are connected. He puts it together. That they're connected and doesn't feel the need to share the information with the FBI. He's just like, I'll that, take care of this. That, I'm going to hang up on this guy. Who cares? I didn't think about that. That is perfect. He deliberately hangs up on Forrest Whitaker, even though he clearly knows that this is connected. You don't want to share this. Hey, by the way, a guy was murdered here. Maybe it's connected. There's some weird guys in a truck with like horrible accents. <laughs> Maybe you should check. You know, maybe these things they are... They sound like Swedish guys trying to pretend they're Southern. <laughs> well, it is a weird thing. I, it's probably better that he didn't tell Forrest Whitaker because, like, Forrest Whitaker, there's a part later where there was, like, this false conflict where he's like, ah, he's a dumb sheriff, and what does he know? And he thinks that they're going there. It's like disbelieving Ray for no particular reason. So maybe if Ray had told him, he still wouldn't have believed him, you know? like You're right. Because that's what happens later, actually. They have a second conversation, and Ray tells him everything. He's like, ah, you know, what do you know? 
the yokel sheriff. And, he calls yeah, him. until he gets his uh, his dossier that he was L.A. Right. He only starts to believe him like when the when Cortez is there, basically. Yeah. Oh, I guess so. Let me ask. Actually, uh, I was going to bring this up earlier. The border, the fact that there's like a ravine they have to cross and they have to build this elaborate bridge. There's no ravine. Okay, you've got the Rio Grande between Texas and Mexico, and then you've got a river, I think, between California and Mexico. But Arizona, New Mexico, down there, there's it's just desert. He doesn't need to cross a ravine, right? Oh man, I, I mean, think so. I don't. I think, know this is a fictional town, but I don't. I don't know. I don't think they would need to build this elaborate bridge. Like it's just open desert. Because this is uh, the Gazdan Purchase, which is a you know United States purchased that part of the country from Mexico like 10 years after the U.S.-Mexican War. It was like 1850-something. That part of the, of the world was Mexican territory, and then we bought it. So it's like a totally arbitrary line. It's not based on any kind of geography, geography. or any kind of river. It's just like, oh, we drew a line in the desert, and then here, here's a new line. We purchased some land from it. I didn't think about Yuma that. Because Yuma used to be in Mexico, even though it was like, it was settled by Americans, but it was in Mexican territory. They're like, whoops, we went too far. <laughs> We're squatting. That's basically what happened. So, yeah, I mean, it's just an arbitrary line on a map. So the idea that there's this ravine, we have to cross the ravine, it's like, that's I, not real. I didn't think about that and look up the, the uh, geography. Yeah, I should have done I'm that. I'm pretty sure. If it was Texas, then sure. You've got the well, Rio Grande. And if that's the case, then that's what they probably should have done. They should have found a, right, just changed the location. Yeah. He's got to cross the Rio Grande. Yeah. From Texas to Mexico. Oh, well. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure. I could be wrong. Never been in that part of the world, but I, I know a little bit about it from having re- done research. About I it. have been in that part of the world. I remember I... So my one of my first deals when I was uh, doing workouts for for the bank uh, in 2008, one of the first deals I had were lots in uh, uh, Penal County, Arizona. And I remember when I got the this is really a sidetrack. When I got the rental car, they they had in the, the you know the rental agreement. I think they even pointed it out to me. Make sure you know th- this car does is you're not authorized to go into Mexico. I'm like, okay, that's, I'm fine. Right. But as I'm driving and I'm driving, I'm just thinking, man, we are going to take a bath on these lots. Cause I mean, we were, I was just in the nowhere yeah. until all of a sudden housing subdivisions, basically. <laughs> and at, at some point, very, I, very speculative. Yes, kind of thing. But I was looking at the GPS. I'm like, man, I'm not that far. I mean, I, I, I actually wasn't that close to them, but I, I joked when I got back to the office, I was starting to get legitimately concerned because I was so in such a rural area that I might have accidentally, as you said, the arbitrary moving and settling of Yuma, that I might have yeah. arbitrarily <laughs> accidentally right. wound up in Mexico. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure if you're out in the open desert and you cross the Mexico, there's no way to know until that wall gets built. But, you know, <laughs> as of today, Big, it's like... Big, beautiful I, wall. <laughs> yes. All right. Well, anyway. I, yeah, maybe uh, maybe in a, a post uh, post editing, we need to go and check check our uh, check our geography and pull up the map. Yeah, you can do that. But uh, so we now get another timestamp: five twenty five a.m. And uh, Jerry and Sarah are following the tire tracks, and they discover this you know giant machinery and trucks that are building this bridge. Yeah, they're building a bridge across the ravine. And Ray is trying to tell them that they like immediately need to not engage and fall back. And this is kind of the the first action sequence with uh, with the deputies. Yeah, which is, I think all of the kind of action sequences. I wouldn't even really call them action sequences because they're played pretty real, like yeah. in terms of like the way the guns are handled and like the the damage that they do. You know, like most action movies, it's like someone's shot, they're immediately dead. Whereas that's not really the case here. Like Jerry gets shot, and, and he I goes think it's, down. It's portrayed pretty in a pretty realistic way. Yeah. Like it's it's still kind of a fun movie. It's not like ultra serious, but no, it's not sabotage in terms of being you know 
grisly violence right. and and you're right realistic but there's enough of it that's kind of cartoon fun it's somewhere between movie violence and real violence and i yeah. think it's it's a nice kind of sweet spot where it's it's taken seriously it's like oh this, this is like you know they're in some serious trouble it's not just like a fun movie action yeah scene. because they're they you know they have handguns and they're going up against automatic weapons with night vision yeah for sure. Like, they have no chance. Until Ray shows up and very casually runs over a couple of guys. Runs over a couple <laughs> of guys. one guy, I think. And how does he just show up unannounced? How do they not see the headlights coming? He turned. He had a ghost car. He turned <laughs> his lights on. <laughs> so there are multiple ghost cars? <laughs> well, did he have the lights on? I don't even know. But they're, yes, they're, the headlights were on as he was drop, running over that guy. They were busy. You know, they were trying to shoot uh, the other two cops. They weren't paying attention. Maybe they were blinded because they had the night vision on, and they turn and... Ah, the lights, the bright lights of the headlights. It might be, but uh, the body count starts stacking up here. Yeah, he runs over a guy, Arnold does, and then he just shotguns two guys out the window. You know what he does? This is movie violence, actually. When Arnold's using a gun, he gets like the cartoony action violence. And, you, sure. and you know what you, you get in there during this sequence? He, he breaks a window. He doesn't punch it, but he uses his elbow to break a window. Oh, that's right, yeah. <laughs> a trademark. Even in his 70s, he's still able yeah, to do it. For sure. He runs over a guy, shotguns two guys. That's sixteen total. Luis Guzman shows up a minute later, and kind of they all they all get Jerry in the back of the SUV and whisk him out of there. Uh, and he dies on the way back to the, the police station. Which, by the way, they're taking him back to the police station. <laughs> okay, you're shaking your head. Yes, they don't have a clinic or a hospital they could take I, him to. It's I'm not. I mean, for the movie, Jerry, after, as you said, after that scene where he wanted the excitement and action of la you knew jerry was chum oh, of course but give him a fighting chance ray take him to the hospital he dies before they get to the station so he probably would have died on the way to the hospital why, why take him to the station it's just like the doctors of the football game i guess like the town doctor you know the one guy who could do, do it is gone find the veterinarian find yeah i guess the town <laughs> like t3 I was, yes exactly like uh, john connor uh, I well, do. I do like the you know that uh, Ray has to tell Sarah to apply pressure to the wound. I would like to think that a sheriff's deputy should be trained in some sort of. That's a good point. You know, CPR and you know basically crisis. This yeah. is not my crisis rule, by the way, of applying pressure. Although it should have been. That's a good point. Yeah, I mean, none of them are really that well trained. As good of a fighter and like a gunfighter Ray is, he doesn't seem like he's very good at running a sheriff's office. No. None of these, I mean, Luis Guzman's pretty good, but otherwise... They the seem other pretty ill-prepared Ill for everything. Yeah, it makes sense that these guys, they're not the cream of the crop. It's not like Summerton is this, the destination for like the best... Like LA, like, yeah. the best and brightest. Exactly. Well, you gotta add Jerry to the body count. Jerry doesn't make it. Yeah, he's 17. And then we get uh, Frank again. Frank has kind of been hanging out this time, and he and uh, and Sarah have some time to remember Jerry and grieve is what I have. Yeah, that's really why they take Jerry to the sheriff's office is so that Frank can react. Yeah. Yeah, that's really it. But I make an attempt to get him to the hospital. <laughs> I, I mean, even if it's just a dialogue where you say, oh, you know, everybody's out of town. Right. I don't know what to do. But from the way it's portrayed in the movie, <laughs> they drive him to home base. What are you doing, Ray? It's like they're taking him straight to the morgue. It's like, eh, he's got no chance. <laughs> Let's just, just put him in the freezer. Save some time. Uh, so then, yes, we get the, the, the grieve, and now another timestamp. It is now 6.02. Okay. I just wrote sunrise. I, like, totally gave up. I, I was not paying attention. That's probably good. I, I feel good that, for once, I have actually have some detailed notes <laughs> on something that probably isn't that important. Uh, and this is Burrell gets on the phone and reports to Cortez that they've, you know, been discovered, and 
Cortez does not take it well. He doesn't want any excuses. Yeah, because Burrell's in trouble with his boss, and then uh, Ray is also in trouble with the feds. Where he's getting a talking to from he's getting a talking to, but Ray, I think Ray calls Bannister to berate him. Oh, that's right, because he's just like you didn't tell me that it you was Cortez. Yeah, right, exactly. He says my man wouldn't have died if if you had told me who it was. Like, what? How does that make sense? I'm I took it as because he knows who. Gabriel Cortez is that if he was told that, then he would have immediately said, well, we're going back to base. We're nobody's going to investigate this person's murder because there's danger afoot. But, but Forrest Whitaker, Burrell, I keep forgetting his name. Burrell. Uh, no, his, his oh, Burrell's John Bannister. Peter Stormer, Bannister. Yeah. Two names with the same first letter. It's going to get it's me always time. a problem for you. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Bannister only called, uh, uh, Arnold Ray Owens. Forget it. Yeah. Bray. <laughs> I'll never, it's just a mental block. Ban- Bannister, God damn it! Forrest Whitaker <laughs> didn't call Arnold until they were at the crime scene. They were at the murder scene. Remember, he's like, I'm busy with this murder scene. Yeah. I can't talk. And they were already on their way to follow the tire tracks. As soon as Ray gets off the phone with Forrest Whitaker the first time, doesn't he radio them and say, fall back, fall back? Yeah. So what difference does it make who it is? You know, it's already too late. It's basically just a frame to say, I don't know you, and I don't answer to you, and <laughs> hang up on him again. <laughs> that is a fun moment. It but is good. I, it, this, this conflict is just phony, I think. It's just they really did not do a good enough job justifying why these two are not seeing eye to eye. No, it, it's, it's kind of just playing on the trope of, you know, the FBI trying to overstep its bound, and yeah. our hero is never with the FBI, and is... No, it is. It's very much like Die Hard, and yeah. it's like, but that's annoying. Like whenever uh, characters like that, like especially law enforcement characters, are just acting dumb so that our hero can be the one smarter. who saves the day and be yeah. smarter. Yeah, I mean, it's not as bad as FBI that, or as, as Die, Die Hard. Hard. That's really bad. In Die Hard. It's it just, is, but I, I still, I think it works. I like it in Die Hard. The the FBI guys are fun. It's more. I'm more thinking of the captain. The police captain. Oh, that Principal, guy, Principal Vernon. I think he, actually it's Deputy Chief Dwayne T. Robinson. <laughs> okay. That's how much I know Die yeah, Hard. Yeah, I didn't hear much. Uh, you'd know better than me, but uh, that that guy in Die Hard annoys me. The FBI guys are fun. Anyway, so speaking of the FBI, we get back to Bannister, then calls the SWAT team and tells them, because he gets the news about a bridge being built, if you see a bridge, destroy it. Do you have what I have, which is, does that mean they will just destroy every bridge they see on the road? <laughs> Great point. That's really funny. Just a legit bridge, just like, yes. you know, through the town or something. Just a bridge through the town. Oh, we need to destroy you're, this. You're right. His instructions are not nearly specific enough. <laughs> and if, if this was a, a literal bridge. SWAT team, and think about it, right? there. I mean, when you have a military, and this isn't the military, but it's kind of like the military. They have a chain of command. You're supposed to follow orders. And yeah. My commanding officer told me to destroy a bridge. You're right. That's all he says. If you see a bridge, destroy it. That's funny. <laughs> They're lucky they don't have any bridges, like, presumably. Maybe they do. We just don't see it. Well, you don't see it. The the SWAT team doesn't make it anyway because Cortez is about to play Fast and the Furious and stop them. This is almost literally a scene from Fast and the Furious. I was going to ask you if it was. It's from Fast Five. If you you end up seeing Fast Five, like, almost the first thing you'll see is basically this scene. They stole it. It's kind of dumb in Fast Five, too, as much as I like those movies. It doesn't work here. It doesn't work there. It's dumb. This is absurd. So what I had, so I, I don't know if you have anything on this. I got so mad at this scene. I got mad at it too, but actually probably for a different reason than you. Why don't you go ahead? And, uh... So what I have, uh, he, he shows how great of a driver he is, and he has a really, really dumb line that he says to Richards afterwards as well. Um, oh, about his niece? 
or something. Was, no, don't try and see death coming. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, uh, that's related. I you think. won't. Yeah, it's related. The whole thing's dumb. But so It's so over-the-top villainous. I killed my niece. Yeah, it, all of it. I, again, even with a better actor, that's, I'm not sure it would have mattered. Yeah, that's how evil he is. He kills his family members. But yeah, so he, he zooms in between the two SWAT team SUVs. Spins around, is going in reverse, gets one of the SUVs to drive up on the hood. It doesn't crush or destroy this Corvette. It just leaves what I said. No, the was, Corvette's the greatest car in the world. You're not it's <laughs> Kit. It basically is Kit. But what I have is it, it leaves a very nice racing stripe that looks like Rogue's hair is basically what it is. And <laughs> right. I had that before. I did not have the X-Men last stand in mind, but that's <laughs> what it is. It's like Rogue's hair. That is funny. No, you're right. It's a very stylish piece of damage. Yes. Like, uh, again, because of the product placement, I'm sure it's like even when the car is damaged, it needs to look it beautiful. Looks beautiful. <laughs> yeah. And so, of course, so, so did you put did these SWAT guys? Did they survive? Well, you tell me because I I definitely have zero. I think I had zero too. I, I don't think this crash seems bad enough that they're all wearing armor already. They're all in their SWAT armor, so I think they're fine. Like they they all survived that. Now here's here's what bothered me about this this whole thing where he crashes these SWAT vans. He's driving a car that can drive 200 miles an hour. Just drive past them. And he's passing them. They're not going to get there in time. You're right. Just pass him. Just get there first. You're already ahead of them. Tortoise in the hair, but you're the hair, and just don't fall asleep. Just go really fast. <laughs> it, it makes zero sense that they, he would crash these cars. It's yep. just to get a, you know, a crash to, in it's, there. It's to get a crash. And Here's another explosion for your movie, <laughs> kid. I have that, actually, at the end. Um, but it's to get rid of SWAT so that it has to be... That SWAT's not going to arrive. Doesn't need to get rid of them. He's faster than them. No, but he, he has to get rid of them so that it sets up for the town that Ray is going to have the last stand. Because if he thinks sure, SWAT but, is on the way... Sure, but then you could just have it so that SWAT says, oh, boy, he, he just passed us. We're not going to get there. I guess time. you're right. Yeah. And then, you know, Forrest Whitaker calls up. Ray. Yeah. So this is, we already alluded to it, but this, uh, the next scene is they, they get it established that SWAT's not going to be there and that Ray is, of course, the hero, and he's he's going to take it on himself. And you get uh, Figgy, played by Luis Guzman. He's trying to talk sense into them. This doesn't make any sense. This isn't our fight. Yeah. I don't think they justify enough Ray's heroism here of just like, we have to do this. We have to stand up for a town or else, you know, we may as well throw these badges in the trash. He says, it doesn't fit with what the backstory is we learn, which is he had some kind of thing go bad in the LAPD right. and quit the LAPD. So if he's this guy who's just like, we must do the right thing no matter what, it's like, well, why is he quitting the LAPD? I mean, I guess he thought he'd do more good as a small-town sheriff. No, see, I, don't, I took it as a, he just didn't, he didn't want to see that type of violence anymore, and that's the reason why he quit the LAPD. Right, but isn't that basically abdicating well, his duty as an LAPD officer? Yeah, and what I'm saying, it also doesn't make sense that he would then engage in this. If he really didn't want any part of it, he it, should just let Cortez drive right on through. Exactly. Yeah, well, I, if, I agree he's, with you. if he wants to avoid this kind of situation in the LAPD, and yet in this situation he has a duty to stop him, it doesn't fit with the backstory they're giving him at all. No, I, I agree with you. You know, or at least they needed to justify it like, oh, I regret leaving. I could have done more good. And, you know, having some idea of like, he thinks it was a mistake and he's going to make good now, something like that. And there's just nothing. There's just no justification. No, I don't. It sets up, I think, a good scene for Luis Guzman. But other than that, it doesn't tie in with the rest of what you've got on Arnold's character. You're right. I mean, you need him to do it for the movie. It's like, obviously, you want to have this big confrontation, but. You know, just the fact that he's Arnold, I think, really helps carry you through it. Because yeah, it's just like, you just, well, he's Arnold, so he's gonna, he's gonna have to do this. <laughs> yeah. So I, I think if it had been another actor, it would have been an even bigger problem. Yeah. 
But that's the real reason. Because he's Arnold Schwarzenegger, that's why he's going to fight. So we head back to ancient Zeus, and he's this is where he's finally ordering the financial records, because he's now just figure, figuring it out. Right. That yeah, it's true. This is pretty late in the movie for him to be doing this. Yeah. Really, <laughs> as I said, it probably would have been, his stuff would have been more interesting, is if the whole time, rather than looking at Google Maps, as you indicated, right. he really was actually scouring, trying to figure out who he needs to catch the mole. Because he can't do anything else. So why not make himself useful? Right. And this is pretty late because we're getting where he's almost at the, Cortez is almost at the town already. They're setting up for the last stand. Right. I mean, again, I just don't know why he's bothering. I guess from his point of view, maybe he's hoping that one of these roadblocks is going to work. So he doesn't, he doesn't know how useless he is yet, I guess. I guess, but <laughs> now that SWAT's out of the picture, now he's just like, okay, I literally can't do anything. So now I'm going to look into the finances. Yeah. Like that's kind of um, what it is. So now we get back to the, the, the Night Industries 2000 with a rogue racing stripe. This is where I actually have that written note. Uh, and it is 6.40 a.m. And then you go back to Agent Zeus. You're right. You really do get a lot of not Arnold and not the town. Because this just keeps going where it's car, Agent Zeus. And you get back to Bannister. Now he's chartering a flight. This is, yeah. this is his last hope. Is this a scene? Because I have a note here saying, the feds discuss how pointless they are. Yes. Because isn't this where it's just like, we, the National Guard, oh, we can't do that. Calling the military, well, we need a presidential order. We can't get that in the next 45 minutes. Like, they're literally just, it's a scene discussing how useless they are. But they, yes. <laughs> it's all going to be up to the Somerton County Sheriff's Department. I mean, God, we're, we're still spending time with his character to the point where the movie's acknowledging that they're useless, that he's useless. <laughs> but the, the movie is basically saying, we're at the point of no return here so i gotta keep cutting to this guy i've invested I guess, yeah. too much already they're pot committed on forrest whitaker they gotta keep uh, showing us what he's up to uh, that's what i mean like it's so much worse than zeus like we're still <laughs> cutting to him what do you think forrest whitaker you can literally do nothing but here we're gonna get your point of view <laughs> but we're gonna get you some more screen time oh man every time that's just, it just accumulates every time they cut to him yeah, matter and matter. So finally, we head back to Ray, and he decides I need to get go get some uh, some better fire. Oh, you know what? We did skip over something before. It was him and Sarah, Ray, and Sarah having a moment of who's you know more scared. Yeah, that's a nice scene. I like that scene. Yeah. It's, it's well acted. It's pretty well written, and it's I think pretty realistic too. Yeah, I'm just he's talking about. I've seen so much blood and death. I remember that line in the trailer also. For whatever really? reason, I've seen so much blood and death. <laughs> Um, but it's yeah, funny. I mean, you probably remember the entire trailer. I actually, well, I watched it also recently oh. just to, for this. But right. uh, I, I, for whatever reason, at the time, ten years ago, that line jumped out at me in the trailer. Oh, it hasn't been out for ten years. Or not? You're right. I'm thinking of X Men: The Last Stand again. Probably. <laughs> that was probably ten years ago. Yeah, around there. Uh, and so Ray decides that he needs better firepower, and so finally we're heading back to uh, to the gun museum. Yeah, and uh, Dinkum. Dinkum has two conditions. Yeah, I think they're reasonable conditions. <laughs> Yeah, which he, one of them gets broken because he's just like, no one can use this gun but me, the giant the giant revolver. It, uh, you mean Georgetta? Georgetta, yes. Uh, it's true, but he does hedge himself because he says, well, except for maybe you, Ray. You, you could handle her, and maybe you, Frank. Well, he's saying that he could. He's capable of handling the weapon, but his stipulation is no one gets to use that, this gun but me. That is true, and that he wants to be deputized. I like yes, You're yeah. right, though. He's really responsible. He's thinking of me like, man, I might have a lot of liability <laughs> if I do this job, so I better get deputized. I mean, really, it's, it's so much better handled than you would expect. Yeah. I mean, he's actually kind of it, a right. reasonable character, as, yeah. as kind of eccentric as he is. Yeah. 
But he's probably thinking, oh, I might do a lot of damage, so yeah. I better be justified. It's the opposite of raw deal. This is exactly what he should have been thinking about. I'm going undercover, and I have no legal protection. Yeah, Dink comes the opposite. Like, if I'm going to be shooting guys, I need to make sure I'm not going to go to jail for it. It's funny that Joe Brenner is nowhere near as smart as Louis Dinkum. He's not. Yeah, Johnny Knoxville. He's, more, he's smarter than you think. Um, and so th- you do get the uh, establishment here, too, of the the the, the, the Nazi killer, because you got basically a, a World War One and a real World War One and World War Two vintage used. And I, I did watch in the uh, behind the scenes that actually was a working model that actually was used in real warfare. Really? Yeah. The actual one they used in the movie, the actual one that they used in the movie, it obviously fired blanks and it had been restored. But yes, this said that this had served in multiple campaigns and was actually used. Wow, I wouldn't yeah. have guessed that. I wouldn't have either if I hadn't watched that. I guess that makes sense. It's probably easier to find one than to like build a replica or something. But yeah, yeah. wow, that's crazy. Uh, and so now you get the uh, the gear up sequence, and I wanted to ask you: it's really kind of a lock and loading sequence more than gear up, other than the very end. I think they're also geared. They're, they're loading up those trucks with weapons and stuff. It's yeah. it's both. I think it's good. I, I think it's on the better side of. The gear up sequences. I, I I like how kind of how much of a western it feels like. It's playing the kind of twangy guitar. And it absolutely the music absolutely does, and I I do like the comedic ending too. I think it hits and lands. There's a thing that is actually cut, and I'm so disappointed that they cut it. Uh, related to this gear up scene, yes, to the end with Luis Guzman standing. Well, yeah, he's got the sword, and by the way, that is Conan the Barbarian sword. And the, like it, the line is actually says Arnold says it to Luis Guzman. You look like Conan the Barbarian. Oh, really? Yes. I I'm I wish they would have left it in. I don't think I agree. I think that's really? a little too much. Too tongue in cheek. I you? think that's too. Yeah, right. that's fine. Because then in this that just raises questions. Just like in this world, is Conan the Barbarian played by Arnold Schwarzenegger? And that guy looks like me. You know, like I don't know if that's. Uh, I think that's too much. I, I like his actual line where he goes, what do you think we're fighting in the Crusades? I think, I think it is good. I that's just, good. And I, I think, because that sword is definitely a reference to Conan the Barbarian, and I think also he's got like a mace or something. I was just saying, all I can think of is Mr. Burns. <laughs> I would have been fun, so long as I had my mace. <laughs> I forgot about that. No, but uh, it's been a while since I've seen the good, the bad, and the weird, but I know there is a character who uses a um, weapon like that, so I think that might be a reference to his uh, previous his previous movie. movie. Uh, so I, I agree. I still think it's funny, and I, I think it lands well. I think Luis Guzman looks perfect with with those weapons. Yeah, I like his pose. He's he's doing the Conan pose, like from the pose, doing it very well. Yeah. Um, and I do like tier two. So you get the, the giant truck that has all the gear in it. It's Henrietta. I remember laughing in theaters at this line, yes. and it still was funny to me. This is a really funny moment. Like, I, I think Johnny Knoxville kind of blows the, the response in terms of like I think he's a little too. You know, Johnny Knoxville's not a great actor. He's fine in this, but yep. I think he does kind of... He doesn't ruin it, but... He doesn't... Arnold's line is so funny. Oh, it's perfect. And I think he kind of undermines it a little bit. Like, you know, because... Do you want to do... <laughs> do you have stupid names for all of your shit? And he goes, <laughs> so funny. Because only the shit I love. But he's... He, Johnny the Knoxville he, doesn't do it. The but, way he delivers it, you're right. But yeah, Arnold's line is so funny. That's, I, that's a great line. I remember laughing out loud. In, I mean, not... You know where I was doubled over, but I remember laughing out loud in theaters, yeah. and it still was funny when that, I watched it. That it was is, coming. That is really funny. Uh, and then, so we actually go back to Agent Z- Agent Zeus, yes. and this is where you get that. Oh right, yeah. Border yeah. Patrol, it can't get there. No, we can't get the military because that's a presidential. Yeah. So you're right. There National they, Guard. Nobody's can get there. In time. Nobody can get there in time. 
We're all useless. It's all going to be up to the Somerton County Sheriff's Department. Yeah, but my note is, okay, then fine. Why are you wasting my time with this scene? I guess just to explain to us. He could have said it in the call. He could When he called Ray, nobody can get nobody there in time. It's up to you. It's up to you. You're right. It's all you need. But what I do like is I like the contrast. This is a worthless scene that's annoying. The next scene of Ray going to try and warn the few people that are left in town. Yes. I think this is a great scene. I agree. You know, I think... It's, it's handled so well because I think this, there's such a danger of a scene like this to feel like a sitcom. You're right. And it doesn't. It doesn't, and it, feel, it feels like a Western. This, to me, yeah, actually right. felt the most like a Western, more than almost even some of the shootout stuff. This felt like a Western to me, of one in the townsfolk, but it's more played up for real comedic effects. <laughs> yeah, no one wants to budge. No one wants to leave. <laughs> they, they all order their omelets with extra cheese. And the, and the rationale and the logic, I'm, I don't, do you have it of how old he is and I just ordered, I got high cholesterol, I just ordered a double omelet with cheese and maybe yeah, you've and got bacon the line. or something, I don't yeah. know the line, but yeah, something like that. He's like, do I look like I'm a man who's afraid of death? Yeah, he's <laughs> afraid of death. And so, you know, he's pleading with them, and he's like, stay away from the windows. <laughs> yeah. Well, my note is, uh, I, I think the football game filtered out all the sociable people. They all went to the game, and so all that's left are the grumps and the curmudgeons. That's probably fair. <laughs> no, it's, it's a funny scene, for sure. You're right. It, it is very western-y kind of a thing. I didn't think about it, but yeah, it's... The townsfolk are stubborn, and they don't want to get out of the way of the firefight. No. Stay if up. anything, they actually enjoy the fact that they're going to have a ticket to watch a firefight. Yeah. Well, and also they're there. They, the movie needed them to be there so that they could deliver the joke later of him. You know, that's, that was in the trailer. Yes. Oh, that we'll get to. Yeah. Uh, so then we've got the rest of the, the kind of the setup. They're wanting to set up a, a roadblock to, to try and basically Main Street is the one that he's going to have to come down. So Yeah, but why? This is a town surrounded by desert. Does he really have to come through the town? I don't know. The way when I was looking on John Bannister's Google Maps, it did look like there was only one road going through town. Oh, absolutely. There's only one road, but I get that's a Corvette. That's a very low-riding car, but it's a desert. It's flat. He can't just drive around the town. I don't know if I buy that he has to go through the town. I mean, the movie tells us it's true, and so we have to just accept it, but... Maybe you're right. I don't know. That that's not exactly an off-roading car he has too. Though. Yeah, They're, I mean that's true. So, but he totally takes it off-road later. That, <laughs> I mean, that is true. So, anyway. oh no, the, I'm just gonna do it now. Oh <laughs> no, the con. Paul Newman's gonna have my legs broke. The second time in the oh, season. Oh, I have to. <laughs> there was no way line. I was gonna get through this oh, episode without that because that <laughs> line was like written for that scene. Yeah, for sure. So, so much corn is sort of like so many bears. So much corn is destroyed in that scene. It's a lot of corn. It's you know they must be going through a lot of water to keep that corn water for sure. Yeah. And, uh, and so this is this is where you kind of get the what I call the Johnny Knoxville moment. He takes yeah. the chainsaw, cuts the pole, and then climbs up the pole. I don't mind this. It's kind of it's dumb physical comedy, but I don't think it's terrible. It's not terrible, but it's not great either. I, it is weird. That he goes like, "Oh no, this isn't power lines. This is uh, phone, Came, and cable. phone and cable. It's a street light. Yeah. It's a lamp." Like, I was very confused <laughs> by that. Of course, it's electricity. I mean, whatever. He just kind of cuts the line and he falls into the truck. Yeah, it basically rips it off. He climbs up the pole. His weight falls into the truck. Yeah. Does this pole being in the road affect the action scene at any point? I don't think so. I don't think so either. It, I couldn't remember. I couldn't find I one. don't see anybody trying to drive around or anything. Right. It. Or it doesn't even see. It's, it's like, I think they establish it's some other road. So it's like, we need to put a block on this road so that they have to come. Oh, have the to go down Main Street. Yeah, maybe that's, maybe that's the case. Yeah. And that's why you don't see it. 
So I just wasn't sure. Well, so the the trap is then set, and uh, my note here is "Ugh, back to Forrest Whitaker." I don't even remember this. What even happens here? I like this I was is, so checked out. This of is where you have Agent Zeus getting Ray's biography. So this is where you finally get right in the plane. Yeah, uh, on the plane, and that oh wow, you know he he may be able to actually handle this. Meaning Ray. That's right. And then so then you get to um, the the trap is basically set, and the western is now set up. And the villain, the, who should have been the main villain, I don't understand. Can you tell me why Burrell says, get ready for a turkey shoot? How does he know that they're there and set up? Yeah, that's true. I know logically he would assume that they're probably preparing, but at the same time, he knows that the police know that he's there. Right. But there was only four of them, and they lit up and blew up a cop car. You would think, I would just jump to the conclusion, they're not going to try and take us on. Yeah, it, it is weird that he assumes there's going to be a fight. Or maybe his plan was, if the cops don't put up a fight, to just, like, murder the town or something to make yeah. sure. Who knows? I guess. Uh, well, right. his, his, his tactics are he sends two to the left, two to the right. Because basically, after he says the turkey shoot, you pull into town. And this is, this is where the Western really starts up. Yeah, I, I like that this whole, like, basically the last third of the movie is just this siege of the town. Yeah. Is, and it, as you... You know, noted when we started, this is probably the best stuff of the movie. No, no question about it. And this this whole ending sequence, well, not a whole thing. Once Cortez shows up, it's not as good. No, but it's still. I still don't think it's terrible. And I thought it. I, I remembered not liking it in theaters. I liked it better than I remembered. I'm still not going to say it's great, but I liked it better than I remembered. Yeah, it's not awful, but I don't know. I'm not as interested. I think I think the gunfight because it's less of a western thing. Right. I guess you could compare it like, oh, he's a, you know, in a western they'd be riding horses and not driving, yeah, you know, Chevrolet cars, TM. Um, but I don't know the the gunfight in the summer the thing. Siege. Yeah, it feels much more like a western. Absolutely. So I, don't know, I like it better. So it all gets started because Christy is uh, making her way back to to the diner and is completely oblivious that anything is going on. Yeah, and that's what sets it off because. Because Ray tells them don't fire, but Luis Guzman has to protect her. And yeah, because Burrell, uh, Burrell is very interested in Christy. Uh, is he? Yeah, he has a line that I actually kind of think is cheesy, kind of cartoon villain. You oh, remember? that's right. Yeah, 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 yeah. And it really does show off that bad accent that you're talking about. <laughs> that's right. Especially the way he well, says the word ass. <laughs> the way he says right. it's not good. I forgot about that. I kill for that ass. <laughs> it's not good. It's not good. Well, let's talk about Burrell because he says multiple times in the scene a line of dialogue that it, it's, a, it's a phrase that always triggers a, a memory in my mind. So I'm just going to talk about it now. There was a sketch... In Saturday, on Saturday Night Live in the 70s with Steve Martin. Ooh, and so, so I'm just going to say, Burrell, he, he says t- at least twice in this action scene, he goes, what the hell is that? It's when the bus shows up, but it, I think even yeah. when he just sees the town and sees like the barricades, he goes, what the hell is that? So there's a sketch. I did a little editing. All right. So I do not know this one, by the way. So I've got a cute... I like, by the way, right now that I see the T3... <laughs> This is all Panther. I'm just, these are all old clips. This is just my folder. Um, so this is kind of bad quality. This is the best quality of this sketch I could find. But again, I did a a little bit of my own editing here. So you're going to get my sound. This is a sketch I loved as a kid. It's so absurd and like abstract. But keep in mind, the other voice you're going to hear is my edit. 
So anytime I hear anyone say, "Yeah, I, what the hell?" What's that thing doing here? <laughs> How did that get here? <laughs> what the hell is that? <laughs> what the hell is that? <laughs> this is all he does. But wait. How did that thing deal get here? In the here? actual <laughs> sketch, Bruce. Hey, or, uh, come over here and look at this deal. Steve Martin. No, Steve. Uh, they're Bill Murray. Bill Murray. What the hell is that? My contribution. What the hell is that? Hey, you kid, get away from there! I'm sure you've seen one on TV. Don't put your lips on it. Don't <laughs> you get him I... boring? <laughs> well, get a photo of me with it anyway. <laughs> Yeah, give him something to remember. <laughs> anyway, that's the that's the gist of it. Wow, you really did put some time in on that. I've <laughs> that, never seen that skip before. I can tell you that that sketch I saw it as a kid. And any time I he- ever hear anyone say, "What the hell is that?" He says it twice in this scene. It's just like oh, now I got to play that sketch on the podcast. I've never seen that. It's it's so abstract and weird. Like no one's laughing. It's not even really that funny, but it's always stuck in my brain. I can understand why, especially with that line being used in this movie. Yeah. Anyway, that's that. Thanks for indulging me. That. Uh, no worries. I put in the time to edit the audio, so I had to play it. So uh, yeah, so there, the, the, you've got uh, Figgy trying to save Christy. So the the line about AS is not good, but his line about Luis Guzman. <laughs> Look at Squirrel, yeah. Oh, squirrel in that big MFing hat is so <laughs> awesome. Because he's yeah. right. I hadn't thought about it, but the hat does look too big for him. Yeah, it's, it's definitely too big for him. <laughs> it's perfect. Uh, yeah, that's kind of why I don't mind. His accent does push to the other side where it's just fun and silly. Like, yeah. yeah, when he's reading these lines. And it's funny. So this is then when you get to the Burrell, he's on board. And this is when he brings out the big gun. Yeah. I just, this is where I have, here's another explosion for your movie, kid. <laughs> it made me think that I don't think his character knows what a gun is. Because he does the same thing earlier when they blow up the cop car at the, at the border. Yeah. Bring out the gun. It's, it's a rocket launcher. Yes. <laughs> it's not a it's gun. A, a bazooka rocket launcher. It's not a gun. Yeah. I what I did like though is that so you see the ha- so the car flips over it is actually a pretty good explosion the car flips over yeah Figgy is uh, he's a little worse for wear because his uniform is smudged he comes out with a Tommy gun however which is also a real working Thompson submachine gun yeah I mean I, that I would believe that's like a more common you know you can. <laughs> It's easier to find a Tommy gun than a World War II, uh, you know, Gatling gun. But. Right. Um, well, this is a cool moment. I, I love this moment. No, and it is. And so one of the things in that behind the scenes that I had noted is that the director liked the idea of the heroes using really... Oh, it's, not, it's not realistic in terms of them probably actually using these, but he liked the idea that our heroes are using old weapons. Yeah, yeah. And... and you know the, that's the, true. You know it is a western, but that the heroes are using old weapons, and that the you know the villains are using far more accurate. That's the thing is in terms of the, the accuracy, the rounds that it fires. Right, they're clearly outgunned, and they have inferior weapons. But I do, I like the fact that they're using old old weapons. Yeah, it's, I didn't even realize, but uh, I mean, I, I didn't care. You're right. It's, it is kind of implausible that they'd be able to put up a fight. They're outmanned and outgunned. 
Yeah, they're using the, the bad guys are all using modern like Weaponry. assault rifles, right? Yeah, with but, with scopes. I mean, it, but I I still because you you know the heroes are are going to prevail. Yeah, in any western, right? Well, I shouldn't say in any in most westerns. So I'm okay with it. And I'm willing to suspend it because I do think the juxtaposition is interesting. Yeah, I agree. I think it works, but particularly when Vicky comes out of the back of the bus is is outstanding. <laughs> is Vicky the name of that gun? I yes, because it, it, it's actually a Vickers submachine gun. Oh, that's oh. the reason that that nickname actually makes sense. It does. Georgetta, Henrietta. I'm not sure about those, but Vicky does actually <laughs> make sense. See, again, he's smarter than you think. Vicky has uh, a good name. He is. Uh, so. But yeah, so he comes out with the Tommy gun, but he doesn't really hit anything with it. He just fires a bunch of rounds. I think he gets one guy. I have one guy here. Do you? Okay, yeah. I did not have one. I'm going to defer to you because you're you're the 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 official record keeper. Well, he definitely hits a guy and who crawls away and doesn't seem to be dead. Okay, he crawls into, like, into an alley. But then there's a guy in the street. I think he, he gets all right. So, but then yes, yeah, a sniper on the rooftop takes him out pretty quick. Yeah. And then Sarah takes out that sniper. So yes. so 18 is the guy in the street. 19 is the guy on the rooftop. Yes. Uh, this so, is where the school bus shows up. And then the school bus. So, yeah, so um, the, the bus arrives. And <laughs> I'm not sure how this thing stays right side up, and I don't know how you get it to, to do oh, this. To, to a 180 like yeah, that? Yeah, to do a 180. It seemed a little implausible to me. Well, uh, uh, what's, it, what's that character's name, the jailbird? Frank. Frank. Martinez. Frank, Frank is the real like expert driver here. He should be the one in South America driving the circuit because apparently so. he pulls a 180 in his, his With bus. a bus. Yeah. He's not doing it with a supercar. He's doing it with a bus. There, there must be bus racing somewhere. He'd, he'd win every race. Yeah. Well, first there's a guy who jumps onto the roof and Frank brutally kills that guy. And then he think he runs he over runs him. He runs him over. over. Yeah, that guy, he got killed twice. I know you don't count him <laughs> twice, but he got killed twice. I should. You're right. But uh, no, he's number 19. Uh, or no, number 18. Sorry. Yes. And then this is when the back of the bus opens. No, number 20. They, sorry. I'm, I'm, That's I'm all right. already uh, lost. And then Arnold just opens fire. He uses a lot of ammo and does not hit very many guys with it. No, I have zero here. No. I don't. I don't think that. Oh no! Wait. Uh, no, there's two here. He definitely oh, you're gets right. two here. I had a lot of notes in between. You're right. Yeah, I'm really. Uh, my notes are very badly organized <laughs> this this episode. So, so you were uh, you were starting to trail off. Yeah, twenty one and twenty two. Yeah, because one guy just evaporates is my note. So yeah, I, I should remember that. It is a hail guy. of gunfire that he gets lit up with. Yeah, and then his line is "Welcome to Summerton." Yeah, it's a lame line, but his yeah. his smile. I don't know if you noticed it, but when he's like smiling after it, assessing the damage he's just done, it is pretty good. Yeah, it's fun. Although Arnold is great, I'm not sure I like Johnny Knoxville mugging next to the you know feeding the gun. He's mugging a little too much. I, he's just like making faces. Just come on. I, You're not the focus of the scene, Johnny Knoxville. Come you on, shouldn't be. But I do, I do like the like Viking helmet that he has on yeah. the medieval helmet. It is awesome. And then later he's got a shield. Like that's great. Like I, you know, other than this one moment where he's mugging, yeah, he's really fun. So then from here, this is uh, Frank. Then has to move the lit- the bus that's littered with uh, gunfire um, into position. Yeah, again, like basically parallel parks this bus. Into the barricade. I didn't think about it. You're right. He is an expert driver. Yeah, the, the way he drives his bus around is pretty impressive. And then this is, you're right. Now we get to all of a sudden Arnold's going to run and bust through these doors and get the old. Yeah. How, how are you, Sheriff? Old. That's the part that bothers me. What a stupid question. There's a gunfight happening. It crashes through the door. They look over the counter. How are you, Sheriff? What do you mean, how am I? What a stupid question. <laughs> I'm tired. 
I've got gunfire coming yeah, at I'm me. I'm in the middle of a gunfight. That's how I am. Leave me alone. I mean, like, are you okay? That's a reasonable thing to ask. But how are you? Like, it's just like an everyday. Are you hurt? Are you okay? <laughs> we cut that. Don't forget. We keep <laughs> referencing it. And it was cut from the episode. Are I you know. Hurt? Are you bleeding? Are you hurt? Are you bleeding? But just what? There's a lot of. There's a couple moments like that where just people ask a dumb question. Yep. It's just to set up a, a punchline. That's all it is. And it's not on this one. It's not really a funny punchline either. No, not at all. Uh, so I, I have though that then when you get back out onto the street after Arnold's dove through and crashed through the diner doors, you have the ironic watermelon truck. Oh, I know. <laughs> so this I tiny kind of, town has so many watermelons. I kind of enjoyed it though. I'll be honest. I mean, I knew that it was one of those things that is just in there to show watermelons oh, getting course. blown up. But I kind of enjoyed well, it. Well, let me read my notes because he should. After taking cover behind the truck of watermelons, he should have moved behind a brick wall with a row of glass bottles. <laughs> yeah. And then after that, he should have hidden behind a carnival like stall with the ducks, with the targets moving back and forth. If this, and by the way, if this movie was the villain, that's exactly what <laughs> right. would have happened. It, it, yeah. Because that would be a cartoon. I mean, the, the watermelons are so like, I mean, again, I think this is one of those things where it's just like. It's fun. Yeah. No, to me, I. Throw some watermelons. I, I, I was on board with it. I I was having fun with it. Yeah, I almost I don't like watermelon, so I never buy a watermelon. But uh, the sign says two dollars and fifty cents for a watermelon. Oh, no way. Yeah, I was gonna say that seems no cheap, way. Right? Watermelons are even around the Fourth of July when they're on sale because you know it's a loss leader to get you into the store. They're like four or five bucks. Yeah, it's no way. Two fifty for one, five for ten. I, I, even me who doesn't like watermelon, that doesn't seem like five enough for ten. Two bucks. <laughs> And why, by the way, who needs five, five watermelons? watermelons? Yeah, where are you going to store five watermelons? My whole house. I, I, I was just going to say it would take up your whole kitchen. <laughs> I, I stocked up. It was a sale. Five or ten. And they, they would clearly go them. rotten before you got the number three. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I hadn't seen that sign. That That is good. So Arnold, he, he made that, that run because he needed to get up on the roof because there's a guy up on the roof. This guy dies. Yeah. That is really, badly. That's a really cool moment. It's a pretty cool knife. He again. He kills him twice because he breaks Arnold's fall as he's shooting him in the head. <laughs> yeah, he, he shoots him while he's falling. That's. I mean, it's, it's awesome. It's a really really cool moment. Like almost too cool. It's like it's almost like it belongs in a different movie. Yeah, it's like a John Wick moment or something where it's like this is a pretty realistic movie and he's tackles the guy off the roof, shoots, him, shoots him in the temple while he's falling, and then lands on him. Uses him to break his fall. Yeah. It's I don't I don't care I'll forgive the unrealism unrealistic part of it because it's so cool it, it's <laughs> yeah it, who cares if it's not realistic it's awesome and I haven't seen John Wick but knowing a little bit about it it does it feels more like that I've only seen clips but yeah, yeah it's I I need to see those movies and then the guy actually I called him watermelon dude I don't know what he is in the the guy who was hiding behind the watermelons he had made a break to try and get Sarah up on the roof yeah well I love before he makes his break the score the musical score. It starts when he puts his sunglasses Glasses down, down <laughs> and he like peeks around. He's just peeking, peeking, quiet, quiet. Sunglasses. Da, 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 da. <laughs> it's such a weird choice. You're right. Um, I kind of laughed at it. So he uh, he gets ha- he gets up the stairs, but Frank had already realized what was happening. I, this guy, it could he lasted way longer than he probably should have. Oh, on the staircase. Yeah. Yeah, he, he takes ha- a lot of bullets. I mean, he's got body armor, so he, that's probably part of it. He takes a lot of bullets, but also the fact that he is trapped between two people who are armed. And oh, yeah. he's able to keep them at bay for longer than I think he should have been able to. It's a to. pretty tense scene, though. Like you're yeah. right, he's totally at a disadvantage, and like you know, in the end, he does eat it. Like yeah, he had no nothing to do there. But 
I like it how like they're both kind of you know he's on the stairwell and he's got he's one on each side of him. I think it's a really tense moment. I I agree with you. I th- I didn't count. I think he fires off too many rounds in terms of you don't see him ever change clips. But Frank does or the bad guy? Does? No, the bad guy does. Oh, probably. And he he just unloads a ton in both directions. Well, they have modern weapons. They've just got like infinite ammo clips, and you know. It's- <laughs> Did you forget to reload the damn gun? <laughs> made but a movie mistake. He he does buy it, as you said. Yeah. Uh, so he's number 20. Oh, wait, number 23 is Arnold tackling the guy off the roof. And this guy's 24. Yes. And then 20. I've got a lot of notes we're skipping over, so that's why I'm having trouble with tracking. Well, hopefully they're not too important. Uh, I don't think so. I, we skipped over the part where Johnny Knoxville, because Frank sees the guy running. He goes, we need the radio to warn uh, oh. Warner. We ain't got a radio. We got nunchucks, though. <laughs> You're <right>. That's funny. <laughs> You're okay in my book, Johnny Knoxville. Think about it. Honestly... Comically, I understand why it works, but why would he bring the nunchucks? The same reason why he brought a circular shield, you know, and a Viking helmet. And then just in case, you never know, as uh, Louise Guzman said. It's true. I, I, the Viking helmet, particularly at the very end when he's being, being carried, dragged along. Yes, yeah. it is really funny. He's a funny character. It's like, I didn't remember him being funny. Neither did I. Maybe it was just like couple years changes your perspective. It was just like, I, probably when we were going in to see that movie originally. We were annoyed that it had Johnny like, Knoxville. Oh, yeah, Johnny Knoxville. But yeah, give him credit. He's funny. Yeah. And actually, speaking of that, he gets the best comedic kill, maybe, that we'll oh. probably have on the podcast, other than in Last Action Hero. This is a very Last Action Hero. It is. Speaking of over the top, this is probably the most, like, it's certainly the most gruesome moment where he just flare at a guy who has way too many, too much armament. Like, it's his own fault. That guy's got, like, I, shotgun shells for days. I am. He is a bandolier. I said, this guy gets what he deserves. Yeah. Shoots a flare, and the guy just looks down like, oh, and just explodes. Yes. Limbs fly and all kinds of stuff. That guy's 25. Yeah, but and he's then, super duper died. He should count for at least two. He's at least a two spot. Yes. Yeah. And then, then you have a guy who wasn't established walking through an... Another character who's not established. I have one of the Golden Girls. Oh, is, I know. I, Granny gets a kill here. Yeah. yeah, this this is the one part I did not like and didn't work. I'll tell you, I don't mind it because Arnold's line, I think, is funny. He goes, Mrs. Salazar, obliged, which is funny. The way he, yes, but his I, line is funny. His line's funny, but I, I don't like hers at all. I agree. Put the hurt out of Ray. I know, it is it's, not good. It's just a hilarious Granny. She's going to haul ass to Lollapalooza. <laughs> there I'm sorry. Oh, Vanessa Redgrave. Well, it reminded me of Predator 2 in that I think, like, the joke is just like, it's America. Everyone's got a gun. You know, I don't want to jump to conclusions about, like, Predator 2 is also directed by a non American. I think it was just maybe this is the way America is perceived. If you get a foreign director and they're coming in, it's like, everyone has a gun, right? Everyone's armed, correct? (laughs) At all times. Yeah, this granny. Whatever. I don't hate it, but you're right. Her line is awful. Put the hurt on him so bad. Yeah, no. They should have cut that. But you are right. The, his And it's not the line. I think his delivery is what makes obliged yeah. is great. It's his delivery, 100%. And also, I like her line after in the aftermath when like they're like interviewing oh, her. The FBI. That's funny. And that's why I shot him. The guy just <laughs> nods and turns and walks away. That's funny. Whatever. I don't mind it. Uh, all right, so sorry. Yeah, Granny was my least favorite part about this entire shootout. And yeah, I can understand that. So th- this thing, this is the only thing though. I, I know you had to set it up, but the the fact that uh, Johnny Knoxville's character Dinkum just walks out there and gets shot by Burrell. I yeah. know, I know he's going for Figgy, but right. I, 
to this point, he's been established to have been smarter than this and more careful. I think he thinks everyone's dead. I, that's oh, okay. what I assume. He doesn't know that Peter Stormare is hiding behind that car. I think he thinks it's over. He's like, I'm going to that, get, that, I'm going to get Figgy. I didn't think about that. That makes more sense. And I think the fact that Ray is shouting at him and telling him like, "What are you doing?" Yeah. You know that that takes the curse off. And it's just like he's doing a stupid thing. Like the movie's acknowledging yeah. it's stupid. So he takes one in the shoulder, uh, and then um, yeah, I will say this comedy take where he smushes his face against the window is that not, I could do without. I I agree. But what I do like is the comedic follow up is that when. Frank goes and gets him and carries him off the battlefield. Right, yeah. The, the hat dragging behind, or the helmet. That is helmet is funny. Awesome. Yeah, that's really It funny. really is. And I'm not normally one that, like, prop comedy and that kind of stuff makes me laugh. That really did make me laugh. It's the sound effect. It's that yes. sound of it dragging <laughs> along. There's a silence. And, and then it bounces yeah. a little bit and drags. It's great. Yeah, it's funny. It's, it's legit funny. And, those, and then this is where Burrell, Burrell was actually hiding in the school bus. This is the part I didn't understand. Maybe you understand it. Like, not Ray isn't hiding. Um, Burrell is hiding inside the school bus. No, but Ray starts in the school bus because that's where he, he gets the shotgun. They go and they get uh, Johnny Knoxville, whatever his character is, and he goes in to the bus, and I think he gets the shotgun, and that's he, he charges at the car where he thinks Peter Stormare is. You're right. And then he gets around the corner, and he's not there. He's not there, and suddenly Peter Stormare, they've basically like, changed places. Yeah. I don't understand the purpose of this. Why does Peter Stormare want to get in the bus? He tries to pull away in the bus, but he can't get it in gear or something. And yeah. I just I, don't understand what his no, plan is. I, I miss that geography. You're right. What I, what I do like about it, though, is so he, um, Ray picks up Georgetta. Okay. And what I, so I, I can't just, remember the names of characters. I certainly I'm not going to remember the name of a gun. I'll did, take your word for that. Did you, did you jump to the conclusion I had of the Fargo reference? Georgetta? Yeah, that he gets shot in the ear like Buscemi does. Oh, I, I, I mean, I don't know if that was intentional or not, but and I, he reacts in a very similar oh, he, way. He does. I mean, that's probably how you'd react if he got shot in the ear. But yeah, shot in the me face. face. Yeah. Oh. So I took that. I mean, again, I don't know if if it's only because he was cast as the reason they did it. But it if only he'd said you should see the other guy, then it uh, would have been perfect. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. So I got that. That's, that kind of staggers him, and then you get the first of two standoffs here, and probably the only one that. This probably should have been the final standoff. I mean, it should, there should have been more to it if there was if it was the final standoff. There's just not much to this, unfortunately. No, he, he gets shot in the ear, which gives Ray enough of an opening to get on the bus, get up into the bus. And, yeah, and then this is another moment where a character asks a stupid question: "Who the hell are you?" Peter Stormer asks. You know who he is. You met him. He's the sheriff, which is exactly what he says. He shoots him. I'm the sheriff. I didn't have that one. I missed that that he met him in the diner. It's just to set up Arnold's line. Yeah, who the hell are you? Obviously, he's wearing a badge. What a stupid question. It's such a stupid question. And it's also Those not, are his last words. And asking someone, asking a guy with a badge, who the hell are you? And it's not a good line from Arnold either. I don't really like it. No, I'm the sheriff. Yeah, the, the one-liners are not good. They shouldn't have even bothered. No. They should have treated a little, a little more realistically. Like, he doesn't need to be I mean, if they, if they No, but if they would have worked, I would have been okay with it. But I don't think really any of them do. I mean, I don't, I don't think the dialogue is very good in general. This is the kind of movie where it doesn't really matter, but... Yeah, when you're getting one-liners that just are kind of groaners. Yeah. yeah. So now we, uh, so we're done with Peter Stormare and he's 27, by the way. Okay, and now we get back, uh, get back to the Night Industries 2000 kit. He just shows up. He calls the phone. Oh, I'm here. Are you ready? He says we will be. It's like, oh, that's not a good thing to say. 
So, yeah, we're ready for you, you know? And it doesn't really matter because Main Street is basically wide open because he just barrels right down through it. Yeah, if only somebody hadn't driven a school bus through their barricades, maybe they could have stopped him here. (laughs) I did forget to point that out when they set the bus up. You're right, they just smashed right through it. Maybe I'm just putting it together now, but did Peter Stormare move the bus out of the way when he was in the bus? Is that possibly he explain it, it? And moved it a little bit, but it doesn't seem like he moved it enough by the time Ray shoots him in the ear. Yeah, I didn't think so either. But you just have to assume he does. <laughs> Their whole goal was to stop this guy in the Corvette, and, and they, then oops, we forgot to the blockade got blown up in the fight. <laughs> You so know, whatever he chases him. Yeah, and, Cortez barrels through the main street, and then I don't know how Ray catches up to him because that car is supposed to be outrageously fast. Camaro gets better uh, acceleration in cornfields. Than oh, is that what it is? Is yeah. that in the specs? That's, that's in the the brochure when you got it. So in the open road, the Z the ZR1 is far superior. But once in cornfields, despite yeah. the fact they're both rear wheel driving, I don't think those cars would do anything in those cornfields. No, they would just get stuck in the dirt. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's it's you know it's dumb. I I think this car chase is not very good. It sounds like you liked it better than me, but. I just don't think it's very exciting. You know. I don't think it's very good. What I what I uh, sarcastically appreciated, one, this is also, as this starts, is where I have all know the corn. I did write that out. Um, that not only does it have now that nice racing stripe, but the Corvette ZR1 can is totally unstoppable because it can push a Camaro with Arnold oh. on top of it. <laughs> yeah, I forgot about that. What it's a weird absurd. moment. It's absurd. Yeah, that that defies all physics. Again, like if it was in a Fast and Furious movie, I'd believe it, but not in this movie. No, and it it, it just it annoyed me. But luckily, they also have that weird moment where they're like they both stop, and there's like a cat and mouse where it's like going very slowly, <laughs> destroying corn. Suddenly, they're in like a submarine movie, or it's like, <laughs> where, <laughs> yeah, where is he? <laughs> you know, it's weird. Engage the caterpillar drive. It is funny how like they've lost each other and it's like quiet, like where where did they go? And then they cut to the overhead shot and they're like literally five feet from each other. <laughs> it doesn't work for me that moment. No. So like, what's the point of that? So they drive through some more corn, eventually they hit Farmer Parsons tractor. Yes. Ray loses the top of the car, although you don't find that out until the very end, and the uh, the ZR1 is finally no more. You kind of see the top come off. He goes underneath the tractor. You do, but it's very fast. You really see it. When you don't see the, the, the wrecked car until the end. Until right. the end. Yeah, for sure. So then we finally get to the bridge, and somehow Ray has made it. I know his car was still running somehow, but he's made it to the other side of the bridge. He's in the middle of the bridge. Well, whatever. He's waiting for him on the bridge. Well... He probably coasted his, his, like, half a car coasted all the way to the bridge and then got out. What's weird to me about this bridge is that the bad guys left nobody behind to guard the bridge. Everyone went to town to... You're they right. literally went to town so they could go to town. <laughs> so they could get mowed down. But they're not going to leave one guy behind? No, they should have. Like, what they should have done, the, the cops should have done, keep them busy, sneak someone off to the bridge, blow it up. You know? Nobody's guarding the bridge. The whole point of this is to build this bridge so the Cortez can get across. The bad guys don't even guard it. You're right. The only thing I'll say about blowing it up is that it's a firearms museum. I don't think Dinkum would have had any explosives. He must have something they could use to blow up a bridge. Yes, you're right. It's a firearms museum, not a munitions museum, but I don't know. He's got a cannon. He's got a World War II cannon in there or something. You're right. He must have something. He's got a dumb name. 
But it was a fist fight. He tries to bribe him for a second. Yeah, right. so the, the dollar amounts escalate as they have this. I had that it was more like a WWF fight, because Arnold definitely gets a suplex in there. I have a note. Post-governor, his go-to in a fight seems to be the suplex. Remember in Escape Plan, where he did a full-on, like, straight-up <laughs> suplex? <laughs> that was awesome yeah. in Escape Plan. This one's more of a belly-to-back suplex. He's like, well, yeah. He's, he's gets him from behind and suplexes him. I think I had in it that now you're going to see a perfect plex. Not on this one, but in Escape yeah, Plan. that one was like a full wrestling suplex <laughs> yeah this is just kind of like they're they're fighting and they're just like he grabs them and basically falls down and yeah and I, what i did have in here and we forgot to mention it in the in the diner scene that he pulls out that giant shard of glass when cortez stabs him i think he's in the other leg i think arnold has giant massive stab wounds in both <laughs> legs and he still seems able to walk without any issues oh yeah and and consider that the way Arnold defeats Cortez is stabbing him in the leg. Yes. When Arnold stabs you in the leg, you are totally incapacitated. He is defeated by that knife. The exact, <laughs> the same, exact wound. same knife. <laughs> it's the exact same knife, the exact same wound. But when Cortez gets it in the <laughs> leg, it's done. Like the fight is over. Yeah, and Cortez does have a line somewhere there on the bridge, too. That And it actually, actually, no, I do like this. Probably my favorite line from Cortez is that when Arnold says, you know, you, you put those on um, or, or I'll put them on for you. And he says, yeah. Maybe I think he says thirty. I, I might have it. Maybe thirty years ago, or so. Basically saying, yeah, in your prime, right? You're absolutely right. But in current condition, no. I, I'm going to take my chances. I'm not putting those cuffs on. Yeah, I mean, Arm's still a big guy, and Cortez is not a particularly big guy. Like, I, this fight seems a little too UFC for me. Like it is. I I didn't have that note, but you're, you're right. It's very old UFC. I'm not into UFC in general, but even still, like it's not a very cinematic way of fighting. Where like Cortez wraps him up and like gets him on the ground and is just like holding him with you know yeah. his legs. It's just like it's why I don't find UFC interesting. It's just it just always ends up as two guys on the ground squeezing. That's all that's happening. It's like that's not that interesting. And then the moment where Arnold powers out of it, Cortez has got him wrapped up. Arnold just picks him up, powers out of it, and I'm going. He's going to throw him off the bridge. He's going to throw him off the bridge, and he doesn't. It's the most disappointing moment. I don't know if you thought that. But I like, didn't think that. He picks him up like, and then, God, how does he not go off that bridge? Why does this end with the guy being arrested? You shot uh, Peter Stormare in the face. You, you know why I think? Kill this guy because they want a sequel. I, that's what I think. Boy, they kept the wrong guy alive if that's the case. You're, you're right on, on that count, but I think that's the reason why. Yeah, I mean, you're probably right. Uh, Cortez that, is such a nothing character. That's the thing is that he's not that interesting is the disappointment, but I think that's the only reason why. Although I did enjoy him having on one leg to hop back behind the destroyed Camaro <laughs> yeah. of like him dragging him into town. I really like that. And that's very, a very Western moment. Yeah, too. no question about it. Yeah. And it's playing like that, that kind of twangy guitar again. Yeah. No, and I, so for that, I, I enjoyed the ending, other than I can see your point that it probably would have been better of tossing Cortez right off of that bridge. It would have been really satisfying, even though. Cortez is not a great character, and the two, these two characters have never interacted. Like, literally, they're meeting for the first time in their final confrontation, which yeah. is a terrible way to tell a story. Like, they should have at least had some kind of phone conversation or something. You're right. Other than just, like, we'll be ready. That's all he says to him. So, and it's pretty lame. But, but I think still, if, if he throws him off the bridge, that's a satisfying ending. I, I, I guess you want to get the scene where he's riding back into town, and you know it's the the West scene, like old West scene, like he said. Yeah, no, and I I enjoy that. And the, well, one other line I, I want to acknowledge too. I liked the acknowledging Arnold's accent too. If you give all of us immigrants a bad name, yeah, I agree. That's a great line. Yeah, it's rare that they acknowledge that, and just the fact that 
he's playing a character who is an immigrant and just that feels like a line that's coming from Arnold as much as from the character. Yeah. To the point where I wonder if he suggested it or something like that. Like very well could have been true, but I, I, I did think that that was uh for as you said, a movie that has a lot of clunky dialogue, I thought that was a really good line. Yeah, I agree. That's a great line. Um and I, yeah, I don't, I don't really have much else. I, I just yeah, I, some wrap up. Yeah, I really I was surprised at um, how much I enjoyed this. Yeah, I, I was more relieved than anything. It's like okay, good, it holds up. Like it's it's as good as I remember. Yeah. Um, despite a lot of problems, you know, it should have embraced the fact that it was a western. All the FBI stuff just gets in the way of that. You know, it's even like when Forrest Whitaker shows up at the end. And you get the wrap up where they finally meet, and it's like, oh, I, I respect you because you, you know, you're not just a yokel sheriff. Like yeah. you're a great cop. Who cares? It like, falls for I it. don't care what Forrest Whitaker's character thinks. His evaluation means nothing to me. Right? It's not like yeah. it's not like it matters. It's like we, the audience, already thought that for a long time. It's just like all we're doing is we're seeing this his character catch up with everybody. Yeah. Like, oh, I was wrong. Okay, so what? Yeah, and then you, it's a little bit of comedy with the. Louis Guzman and uh, John Axel, and both I actually think both deliver really, really well. Yeah, Louis Guzman Com- is, is funny is the way he sells his injury. And- Absolutely, because I mean, you're comparing; they basically have very similar injuries in terms of location. But that—that's a fifty caliber right there. <laughs> right, he sells it really well. John Knoxville gets hit with a with like an old timey. I yeah, I didn't comment on it. I don't know what Burrell, what gun he was walking yeah, around with. He's got like an old west revolver. It's like yeah. a Remington or something like that. Yeah. Um, but no, so that's, that's 50 not caliber. That's interesting that we were talking about it, how the good guys have like older guns, but for the most part they do. I I didn't know what Burrell's gun was. Yeah, it, Peter Stormare had a even older. It's like a you know literally a 19th century revolver. He's he's using maybe maybe it was the weapon from uh, from Predator Two. Oh yeah, no, that's a little yeah, that's a little older even than that. Yeah, the that was like a flintlock. That was like yes. a Revolutionary War yeah. weapon. Yeah, but a good movie for sure. Absolutely, I enjoyed it. So anyway, I guess that's the show. Unless we have some wrap-up. No, I mean... <laughs> good movie. That's our wrap-up. Good movie and a, a lot of fun. And now we're, we've wrapped up and finished up with the post-governor return. Yeah, we've forgotten to rank... Uh, we didn't rank the comic book movies. I, I should, j- we should just save it until the end. Let's not rank that's fine. each category. I, I had just listened to, finished listening to Raw Deal, and I realized we did that and said we were going to. like, oh, I know we didn't do it yeah, in Conan. Yeah, we didn't do it. We were fighting in Conan, so... Yeah, that's true. We were. Just, I was at the end of my wits at the end of that episode. So uh, let's save it until... Our, our final wrap up but uh, yeah so let's pick the next movie I guess well you I, gotta get the, the stats we need to get oh, the stats first we do need to get the stats it's a good thing I'm here I didn't catch a pun did you catch a pun no I didn't get any I didn't think so so we had body count of 27 total that's mm. not as many as I thought it would be you know it's funny because I didn't remember there even being this many I think I probably forgot about the, the police barricade the, yeah the barricade and all that yeah, like, that was a lot I remember at some point we were talking about it and I was, I was expecting like 10 yeah. I was just like oh it was a battle at the end let me let me ask you this: How, how close are we getting to a thousand? I've not updated my tally yet. Okay, I'll do it by the next episode because the next right. episode will probably have more bodies. Oh, <laughs> probably. It's hard to remember, but I'm pretty sure it'll have more than twenty-seven. Uh, well, now I know we are not doing the sixth day. Oh, I think I know what we're doing. Well, what's left? So we the have sixth left, day. Sixth day. We have. We're really getting down pumping to iron. Pumping yeah. iron. True. Not true. Uh, True lies, not true romance. Yeah, I've almost said true romance. <laughs> um, junior. Junior and, and Terminator, Terminator Genesis. Genesis. That's all that's left. Oh, well, well then I know <clears throat> what we're doing. Yeah, I mean, Terminator Genesis is last. Yeah. I've not seen the six days. So I don't know what kind of body count it is. And I, have to, I haven't seen uh, Pumping Iron in a while, but I have to think that's pretty low. 
So yes, by by process of elimination, next episode will be True Lies. Long overdue. You know, I, I'll tell you one of the reasons why I've been putting off True Lies. Like, I don't want you know, just speaking for myself, I've been holding out on a new Blu-ray. I've just been like, maybe they'll put out a new Blu-ray. <laughs> it's almost impossible to find. Like, I, I don't know even that. know if it's really available on streaming anywhere. Something's going on with the True Lies rights, and it's really hard to find. I didn't know that. It's frustrating. I've got an old DVD, and I think it might even be full screen. That's how old the <laughs> DVD is. And I'm going to watch that, but it's just like, God, I've been waiting so long for a proper release of True Lies, and it just has not come. Yeah, that's disappointing. I didn't know that, and I kind of feel the same way that there's not. I, the fact that there's not a bunch of extras on Last Action Hero just kills me. That There's so much stuff I'd like to know about that movie, and there just never will be at this point. But I understand in that case, because that was not a successful movie. Uh, it was moderately suc- successful No, and you, you're right. In, in True Lies, it makes no sense. Cause huge hit. It, it was a huge hit, and I'm, it's one of the few movies that still to this day I'm disappointed there wasn't a sequel. And again, the sequel probably wouldn't have been as good, but I would have at least liked to have seen... What it might have been. I'll bet it's because of the rights, whatever's going on with the rights. I mean, it's like this weirdly forgotten movie. Well, it certainly isn't forgotten by me. It, it's, it's a great action movie. Oh, agreed. But, you know, it's not one of those. And it's just so hard to find. It's just weird. I don't understand. My, my, my genuine hope was I probably would have picked it season one or something. I, I love True Lies, but it's just like the longer we wait, the better chance that there'll be a real Blu ray yeah. that we could watch. So it's really it's frustrating. Not. All right. Well, I'm I'm excited. I kind of wondered if, for me, I was going to not pick that because I almost wanted it to be the last one, knowing like how great it is and that it's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, I just want to get to it. Hey, no, hey, it's your pick. So it is. Wise, it is. I'm excited. That's part of. I, I almost didn't pick it because yeah, it might have been a good idea to save it for next to last. That's all right. But now nah, let's just do it now. I'm excited. Why wait? Waited long enough. All right. That's the show. So anyway, uh, yeah, thanks for listening. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at Bad Puns Podcast. And that's that. Uh, as well as forget YouTube. Forget about the YouTube. Whatever. Oh, forget, <laughs> okay, forget about the YouTube. I'll, well, unfortunately, the, the, I'm going to get some extra free time soon. But uh, <laughs> by the time I'm going to have that extra free time, the podcast is basically going to be over. But at well, some point soon, maybe I'll have some time to upload some. We'll see. What's, what, the, what really new, dispir- no, new people are still tuning in, my friend. Oh, but I'll tell you what really dispirited me is I put in all this work on the last action here episode and Eclipse and all that, and you know they just took it right down. I can understand. and my dispute did not. It fell on deaf ears and all that. Like those those people in Google just said, I, "I'm not listening to you." Yeah, I mean, whatever. I mean, it is what it is. But I'd love to put up these episodes, and then when we play a clip, to actually put the clip in the video. Right. But that just is immediately grounds for, you know, the clip being removed. and So ridiculous. So it kind of defeats the purpose of what I was hoping to do with the YouTube channel. But I'll, I'll put up some more stuff. We'll see. So, uh, but if you do enjoy the show, uh, please tell other people. But more importantly, maybe for us, is like us and write us a favorable review on your podcast app of choice. And uh, so that is the show. I have one last order of business as I do. I'm making my way through here, and I'm running out of ideas, but I still was able to... I had a couple of potential rules for a crisis situation in this one. Okay. Uh, I told you a couple that I didn't use. Um, I wasn't sure if you were going to hit on it. You did. So my rule is is that if you are wounded, drive to a hospital (laughs) in a crisis situation. At At least he's not driving, though. Not his fault. That's true. Okay, so <laughs> get taken to a hospital. Yes, insist that you be taken to a hospital. Yes, no question about it. We'll be back with True Lies. Well, I hate superstition, but a black cat crossed my train.
Oh, you know what we didn't cover? Pull it up. Oh, deleted scene? You don't need to put it on here, but you need to see how ridiculous this is. So this deleted scene that I know you didn't have a chance to watch, uh, it's probably appropriate since we've talked about the Fast and the Furious on multiple episodes now, but in particular this one. This has to be the most ridiculous thing that I've ever seen. And the fact they even thought that this was a good idea is absurd. Ever seen in a movie? Well, maybe not. All right, that, that's a little bit too okay, much hyperbole. Okay, but it's one of the most absurd Oh, it's, it, it's just absurd. And you're probably going to tell me that this has been stolen from The Fast and the Furious and that it was genius. We'll see. The Fast and the Furious is like the Simpsons of car movies where it's like they did everything first. Basically, they've done everything you can do with a car. But so the, the title of the scene, I don't know if, uh, if you, you don't have it you pulled wanna up. Go, you want to go back to the menu? Yeah. Oh, Bridge Skateboard that's right. is the title of the deleted scene. It's oh, not- is one of the cars going to do like a grind on the... <laughs> Mike is nodding. Here we go. Oh, over spike strips? Yes. I, I'll say. <laughs> well, these effects are unfinished. That yeah. doesn't help. That looks ridiculous. <laughs> Whoa, they're going to fall. <laughs> what? what? I don't understand. <laughs> no, the Fast and the Furious movies have never done that. And then they got them just standing there as awesome. He's done nothing. Go back wow. and just. It's yeah, I, wanna, I definitely need to see that again. I'm, I almost didn't watch these scenes, and then when I got to this, I was glad I did. <laughs> how does it pop up? I mean, I don't like it. How do they, oh, yeah, they're watching this live. It was almost worth it for Forrest Whitaker's face. But wait, they're. I don't understand the, the, the how they get off the logistics the of all that. Yeah, he hits a pole and he spins around. No evidence of damage from that, apparently, because I don't nope. think that ever shows up. That's crazy. Yeah. So, anyway. That would be a little much even for a Fast and Furious movie. But, I mean, it was a smart cut, because even with finishing the effects, it would have been so stupid. That's and, pretty stupid. And this, and this movie, other than some of the stuff with the car, was pretty grounded in reality. And even some of the stuff with the car I might be able to buy, this, there's no way you'd be able to buy. I'll tell you, if that was in a Fast and Furious movie, it would be accompanied by Tyrese screaming. He'd be like, no! Would Ludacris join in? No, Ludacris would probably be in the car behind you going, What are you doing? And <laughs> I'm skateboarding this car. <laughs> What's funny? And then and then he'd hit the pole, do his 360 key drive, and he'd be like, Did you see that? I'm Roman Pierce. I'm amazing. Is he that likes basically telling what people, he does? Yeah, he likes telling, telling people, people who, who his name is? Yeah, he likes telling people he's Roman Pierce. And then he's the man. <laughs> is he sort of like Johnny Cage? <laughs> <laughs> kind of, yeah. He's kind of the... Uh, 
Uh, actually, very much so. He's like the, he's the face of the A team okay. for sure. All right, that's why he's brought into the team. Anyway, we're, we're done, I guess. Right? Yeah, I really you don't have to use any of that stuff. I wanted you to see that. That is so absurd. <laughs> that was worth seeing. That's that's amazing.